from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to the Superiority Complex, everybody. Your new favorite podcast. We have a little uh, lineup today. A lineup change today. First, top of the top of top of the pops is what I wanted to say, but that's not what I wanted to say. It's what my tongue tried to say. I was going to say at the top of the before we introduce anybody. I just want to I, I, I want to extend my congratulations to the great Clayton Kershaw of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Seven perfect innings this morning before we even started recording. And then they pulled him, and then uh, Alex Vessia gave up a run, so there goes that perfect game. But the Dodgers won a 9 nothing beating the Twins. Also hit three home runs uh, in a row uh, today, so it was a good day. And Bellinger got a home run. He's, he's off to a horrible start, but uh, it's good to see uh, Clayton Kershaw back in fine form. After 15 years in the league, can you believe it? 15 Wonderful, magical years in the league. He's still uh, giving us uh, that kind of performance. I can tell you guys are overwhelmed. All right, guys, here we go. I understand every word you just said. Uh, uh, I understood every word that it said, and now that I've read it, you're going to regret it. What is that from? Can anyone name that song? No idea right now. That is New Order. Shout out to my man, he too. All right, here we oh, go. Okay. It's New Order. Uh, Age of Consent, I think. That's it. Uh, I was having, before we started, Jake is here. Uh, and Jake was, uh, was we were, what song were we talking about, Jake? Uh, what are words? Uh, words? Missing Persons? Missing Persons. I hadn't heard that song in years. For some reason, Jake was singing it today. I grew up in the 80s, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, so did I, but you don't ever. Vicariously through my mother, I grew up in. You never hear me sing that song, and I grew up in the years. But yeah, I'm with you, man. Brent's here. Yeah. Hey. Michael Bagrisha, the the uh, the Midwest uh, connection. They're here. John Sandy's here. Howdy. And uh, Patrick unfortunately had to work, and and Justine just took the day off. Just uh, decided she needed to get some some things done. Way to explain it, yeah. <laughs> she just decided. Well, today I'm going to run errands. Then, if Patrick's not here, which which begs the question: Does Patrick not let her get things done? Is that? I mean, that's that's the only I thing. Somehow I, doubt that. That's the only thing I can assume. <laughs> Babe, just just does what she wants, you know. <laughs> Babe. Babe. Had her doing two podcasts last week. She's like, I need a break from y'all. Maybe that was a. By the way, that was a great show. Thanks for having us on, Brent's. Thanks for being uh, uh, and thanks for coming on uh, again this week. What was your What was your feedback of us being on your show? <laughs> everybody I know liked it. I didn't get Never any bad reviews for it. I know everybody liked the clip that I used from it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. See, we're popular. Yep. <laughs> I was thinking, what if this just <laughs> doesn't work? You never, let, you never let someone drink by themselves. That's right. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody loves you. I did <laughs> the one comment I did get, and I laughed because it was like, "Yo, who's got the maniacal laugh on the podcast?" <laughs> oh, who does that? Maniacal. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? I get, I get that sometimes. So I've been told I have an evil scientist laugh. A hostile takeover. <laughs> Evil scientist, <laughs> Doctor Frankenstein, laugh. 
you kind of you know, I wouldn't say it's evil, but it depends on what you're laughing at. I watched. Uh, I don't know if you ca- if you caught it on the on the Criterion Collection this month. They've got a, a thing called uh, Beyond Black Exploitation. Yes. And uh, I watched Chuck Turner. And uh, and then for, first of all, the great thing about all those those seventies American international movies, they are shot on the streets of L.A. and not necessarily the the nice streets of L.A. It's all this, it's like downtown before it got cleaned up, you know, and stuff like that. So that's always interesting to see. And then another thing is just they just it kind of reminds me of Hong Kong because it looks like we're just going to go out in the street and shoot this real quick without permits. Yeah. We're just going to run out there and just see if we can get this done. Close the street off real quick before the cops show up. And then uh, we're going to do this in one take and then boom. So. That's why I love the opening of Superfly so much because that scene where they're getting, they're chasing the junkie up the street. There's like, you, the cord from the camera starts getting like in the shot. It's like we had one take. <laughs> That's it. it, well, it it's, a time, it's a time capsule. You know, you see some of those movies you go. This is what LA looked like in '72, and it's yeah. <laughs> some of those buildings are gone, and you're never going to see that gas station again. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Nor do you want to, but yeah, no. it's uh, it was good. And then one with uh, Cisco Pike, they said this is an absolute. From it's the whole thing is shot outside downtown LA. They say this is a time capsule. You know, this is exactly what it looked like back in the day. Uh, and the, Brent, you're right. I, that's a tough dummy kill to beat because it looks like they just yanked that thing hard. It's such a it's quick. They, you're not even expecting they, they it. Put the dummy up, and then like five dudes hit it with shotguns at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that shit just went flying. <laughs> and it uh, maybe uh, it was a little bit of hard boiled in there because there is a shootout in the hospital. There is a shoot. The, oh, yeah, right, yeah. the great Isaac Hayes. Uh, Michael Bagford's here, but he's he's on a call right now. He, he looks cool, man. He looks look at him taking that call. Yeah, on the line. yeah dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he's he's coordinating a hostile takeover. Of yeah, I can meet up, baby. Yeah, yeah. That's no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He asked to base in that turkey today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was my uh, baby mama on the phone. Yeah. How'd that go? How'd that go? Good. She was dropping Sophia off here, so... Uh, oh, there you go. Just talking about that. My mom's going to watch her as we do this. Ah. Shout out to moms. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Mrs. Bagford. Uh, oh, not really. We didn't marry. No, no, no. Your mom. Well, your mom. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, my, my mom. Hey, Mikey, that, honest, that. honest question. Have you ever thought of starting a podcast called The Bagford Files because that needs to happen. Oh. Ooh. That's kind of interesting to it. The Bagford Files. And we'll, what would you name it, Mike? I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. The Bagford Files. That, that's it. I just okay. I just gave you a name. Merry Christmas. It's like I tell it's like I tell Brent when when he does the same he does the same thing with PJ when PJ doesn't like like Star Wars or something, and I do the same thing with these guys, I hand you gold. I literally hand you gold. That's great. And you slap it out of my hand like, but just mm-hmm. no, I don't want it. Mm-mm. It's hurtful. Hurtful. That can even be like you can do it P H I L E, and then you can just talk about, you know, different kinds of, you know, yeah. and shit or like the. 
Yeah, you know. Yeah, like the the, the Bagford Files, P H I L E S. And it's all stuff. It's it's all <laughs> spinal. Yeah. Well, I I the beginning of it would be the answering machine. Well, oh, I, I this is Michael Bagford. I, subs- I can't be there right now, but leave a message. I subscribe for the ad free version of of Peacock for for my wife because she likes to watch The Office, and The Office has it has all the bloopers and all the behind the scenes stuff. If you subscribe. And uh, there's no way I'm ever going to watch a commercial again in my life if I can avoid it. So uh, I will pay for a subscription. I am the guy when they go, who needs another subscription service? It's me. You know why? Because I never want to watch another commercial again. I will pay thousands of dollars to never have to see another Geico commercial or another, uh, you know, you name it, a Bud Light commercial, anything. I, I, I never have to see another commercial. That's great. How about um, how about uh, uh, Tom Selleck saying, "Now look, this isn't a way to steal your house from you." <laughs> uh, whatever you know, what finally did it? What finally did it? Ironically, was uh, DJ Shadow. Uh, I think it's a Cadillac commercial that uses his that riff, and that thing was just it got into my brain, and I was I was angry anytime that commercial would come on, like literally angry, like wanted to throw something at the commercial and so at the TV. So I was like, that's it. Sign me up. DJ shadow PTSD. Oh my God. It was the word. <laughs> and, uh, but, do, 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 do. He's selling auto warranty things now. And it's always the same douchey couple in every God dang luxury car commercial. The same douchey looking couple doesn't matter what ethnicity they look like a couple of douches that you just would be boring at a party and you get stuck next to oh my god they, they look like they order water That's why, um, they look like they the one that makes you want to i know what you're talking about like those jaguar commercials oh. with a sting and you just want to put your foot through the television <laughs> you know here i am i'm sting i'm riding around in the back of my jaguar and you're just like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> And now they got. I think Matthew McConaughey's doing one, right? Oh yeah, he does the uh, he does the Lincoln. I was thinking about my Lincoln, and then uh, and then blah blah blah. It's got that look on their face, like yeah, it's good to be king. You know? Yeah, it's like fuck you. Well, McC- McConaughey always looks like he just got blown. He just he always has. A... <laughs> he's got that look yeah, like they used he's. To say that I think about. Uh, they used to say that about Phil Harris, like. <laughs> He had just just had sex, rolled out of bed, and got the microphone in front of him. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Hey, yeah. Uh, 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 it's uh, it's the, from the goddamn commercial. <laughs> no, but which song is it? <laughs> it was the one that goes. Do, 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 today at your at your Southern California blah 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 dealer. I don't know. It's a Cadillac. Oh, it drives me nuts. That 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 little riff is the oh. You know what? I'm not alone, right? You guys know what song it is, right? Play it, play it, Brent. I can't hear it. Can't hear it. I think it's for the best. You're gonna make me. You're gonna make me look it up. 
Yeah, we got a line coming through. You want me to sing that bad song from the Sting car commercial? No. <laughs> the what commercial? The Sting car commercial. Ah. We should bring back that Carl's Jr. commercial where they'd say, pour some sugar on me. Mm. Nobody? Nobody knows? Nobody remembers that one? Is that the one with the car with the car wash? <laughs> yeah. That one. Could you hear it? Maybe we have we must have some kind of cutoff or Google knows. We're trying to use licensed music. Right, the commercial. It's the uh, it's it's DJ Shadow. Uh, Nobody speak featuring Run the Jewels is the uh, and it's got a really awful guitar riff. You've heard it a million times. Yeah. Oh fuck! That just drives me up the wall. So yes, Rockford Files, the Bagford Files. That was a hit. That that theme song was a hit. <laughs> that was on the charts. Uh, the same year as the SWAT theme, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, I love that show. It had that disco beat, you know. Everybody just running around, busting windows out, diving through windows. That opening, the opening credits, that was the most insane credits of all time. They're literally, yeah, like jumping through windows and popping up over hedges, <laughs> jumping off of skyscrapers. It's like, join the SWAT team right now. Right. That was like Robert Urich and... Uh, Steve Forrest. Yeah, and Steve Forrest was like 75. Like, right. Wow, how can he be like on a SWAT team? Right, right. <laughs> I know he's the captain, but he's in like seventy. He's in good shape. He's in good shape. He's he's in good shape. The seventies was the golden age of TV themes and and openings. Uh, like Sarah, I said, I like I said, there's keep your eye on the sparrow, right? And then you you, you get you get the drummer from the Streets of San Francisco theme who got paid by the note apparently. Uh, do you remember that, John? That like there's like a forty five forty five minute drum intro. To the streets of San Francisco. The streets of San Francisco. A Quinn Martin production. Do you guys know what we're talking about? Starring Carl Malden. You would squeeze as many notes as possible. Oh no, this this guy, this drummer on the on the theme. I'm not kidding. It's like a. It's like a Moog synthesizer, just like in the beginning of the Rockford Files, but it's just doing like this, and then the drummer's just going off in the background. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a crazy saxophone too, right? Know? Hold it's on, like a real, it's it, it gets to where it's really uh, hang on, it's, it's like a full on, you guys hear that? You get the Waka Jawaka in there. You get the whole thing. It's great. <laughs> Chips. Doesn't that feel it? 
What that really feels like is uh, is police squad. Yeah, you know, with the naked gun. You know, uh, I'm telling you though that chips theme, man. That that was that just that was my call to adventure. That just and then there was two because later on they got like really disco with it. Would be like that 12 year old kid just ran off with my car. And then you just imagine a guy with like the biggest afro you've ever seen, like maybe like sunglasses in the shape of a star. A tight orange shirt and some bell bottoms with a bass with and a, like the cigarette stuck in the bass is just like bounce 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 bounce. Come on, you guys! You didn't love that? Nope. When I was a kid, I only had one Latino hero on TV, and that was Eric Estrada. He didn't even play. His name was Poncherello. He was supposed to be Italian, but we knew he was Mexican. And on his days off, he could do anything. He could bullfight. He could skydive. He could skateboard. He could roller derby. It was the greatest show ever. Come on, you guys didn't love that? Okay, guys, sorry about that. Had a little. Uh, I got so excited talking about Poncherello, I knocked the recorder off of the table. That's that's what happened there. So, don't shake your head, Brent. You know this stuff has happened to you before. Professionals. Yeah, yeah. Hey, now, look. Wait a minute. Uh, Eric Estrada was also in Airport Seventy Five. He was one of the. Uh, I think he's like the navigator up in the cockpit. Were we talking about Air- Airport Seventy Five? We were talking about Erica Estrada. We were talking about yeah, yeah. Estrada. But you said, "Wait a minute!" Like there was a connection. I'm like, "Wait, did I miss part of a conversation?" Don't do that to me, John. I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'll have a stroke. I think I have a stroke. You can't, you can't do that to me. I'm like, wait, were well, we? If you don't know by now that I'll, I'll just completely diverge from whatever we're talking about. Oh yeah. Like heckle and jekyll. Oh yeah. You know who else was in Airport 75? <laughs> oh, yeah. George Kennedy. You know what else George Kennedy was in? The Naked Gun. That's how you do it. See. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a little too easy. All too easy. Creaming. Nah. All, all too, too easy. easy. That's my favorite moment in all of the Star Wars trilogy. What was that, Michael Bagford? <laughs> I was saying that Brent George Kennedy's in Uninvited. Yeah, he got killed by a cat that had a cat inside of its mouth. What? Wow. I'm not. What? I'm not joking. I'm. That's crazy. There was, there was a cat that opened up his mouth, and an evil cat came out of the mouth. So it was like, which movie is that? It's called Uninvited. Huh. So that's like an alien thing. Kinda? Yeah, the mouth inside the mouth. All right. But it was like the whole cat came out, though. Oh. <laughs> it, it like launched yeah. another cat from its mouth? It was like two of them, I think, running around. That's crazy. That's, that's pre CGI, right? Oh, yeah. That's the oh, yeah. 1987. There you go. Back in those oh. days, you literally had to shoot another cat out of a, uh, the inside of a cat's mouth. <laughs> You probably had a cat wrangler saying, okay, it's going to be tough, but we can do it. We can do it. The uninvited. Wow. Look at that cat. Look at that crazy poster. I, I never heard of that. I did, we did that years ago on the podcast. Now. Look at that. So who's in that besides uh, George Kennedy? George Kennedy, Alex Cord, Clue Gulliger, Tony Hudson, Eric Larson, Claire Carey, Bo Drummond, Rev Estes, Sherry Shatuck. Michael Holden, Eric, Austin Stoker. I don't know any of these other. Austin Stoker. Austin. Austin Stoker is the cop in uh, in um, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I see his picture. Yeah. And like Alex Court is in a million things from like seventy five to eighty five. Clue Gulliger is probably on five episodes of The Streets of San Francisco. He's on every. Clue Gulliger. Clue Gulliger. Mm Hmm. That is a great name. It's an odd name. Well, Clue. How many people do you know with the first name C L U? Clue. Just like, just like Touch Connors. Is that short for something, uh, or is that his name's literally fucking Clue? C L U. It's probably 
a stage name, you know. <laughs> Clue Gulliger. Uh, if you're fans uh, of Mystery yeah, Science, what, uh, fans of Mystery Science Theater know Clue Gulliger from. Uh, uh, which one was he in? One of them. He always played a cop, like a befuddled cop. That was usually his his role. Yeah, I think wasn't he in uh, the one where uh, Strother Martin's turning uh, guys into snakes? Oh, was he? Uh, I'll be, I, if I look him up, I'll bet you he was in an episode of uh, of, of more than one uh, '70s cop show. Oh, absolutely. Oh. You know. It was it was Master Ninja Mario. Oh, that's right. He's the cop in Master Ninja. Master Ninja theme song. Chicka, 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 oh, chicka. Too, see? oh, see, there we go. What I tell you? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's in some Disney movie like Return to Dracula's Castle or something. <laughs> that's a Disney movie. Um, yeah, it was like a made-for-TV movie or something. Um, but you know, he was in one A picture at least, and that was last picture show. <laughs> so he's in one A picture for sure. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, you know what else Eric Estrada was in? Mm-hmm. Midway. There you go, John. How about that? Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, Clue Gulliger. Clue Gulliger was also in The Hidden, Brent. Oh, shit, he was, wasn't he? Yep. Right. Simon and Simon, Everywhere. The Fall Guy, MacGyver. Yeah, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I oh, think yeah. he's in that, too. This yeah, guy's... He this... The book, he's the bookstore guy. What? Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, unrec- unrecognizable, but he's the bookshop guy when she goes to see the movie next door. Look, look, look. He's because Quincy has got to be like a massive fan, you know? <laughs> oh, uh, Return of the Living Dead, too. There you go. There you go. Shout out this week's episode dedicated to the great uh, Clue Gulliger. You got to do it before he passes away, you know. We could have done a Gilbert Gottfried show. Oh, but yeah. Now we, Hawaii now we, Five-O? I think he was in The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Two, yeah, second one. He was a dad, yeah. He was on... Oh, John, he was! He was on Streets of San Francisco. I was right. And... Oh, yeah. And he was on Cannon, the fattest detective. McCloud, Chief McCloud. McCloud. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> He was in. Uh, hey, he was in Shaft, Brent. Uh, the TV series, I saw that. Yeah. How about that? Man. He was in McHugh. Ironside. He did oh, all the big the, cop shows. That's the John Wayne one, right? Mm-hmm. He was on an episode of like John Wayne trying to be like dirty. Yeah. He was on an episode of Kung Fu, and John, we were just talking about this, Mannix with Touch Connors. Yeah, yeah. He was in this episode with <laughs> uh, Brent and I, are big Mystery Science Theater fans. We were we we. What was that? I'm gonna get you, sucker. He was in that too. There you go. Yeah. Clue Gulliger, unofficial saint of uh, of. Uh, sometimes it's fun to do that. I used to do that with Leonard Malton with the books. I would find like a director and then just follow all the work and see look up all the other movies. Or find an actor, like a, a weird actor, like, oh, let me look up what Eddie Deason has done, and then, you know, figure out what movies well, he's been in. That's Laser before, Blast. Before oh, that's internet, right. You had to do it through Leonard Maltin's books. Right, so. right. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have them both sitting side by side. You've got the one that's all the movies, and then the one that's all the people, and you just cross-reference, you know? Yeah. Back when, do your research. Do your Googles. 
Yeah. Right, here we it, go. It used to take a little more work. Now you can do it with, you know, while you're watching the movie, you just go, oh, there he is. Used to be you have to really go, okay, bookmark it. Okay, now what movie was that? Now what person was that? Yeah. All right. It's time for uh, Music IQ because I feel like we have all the musical people here. We, we're not going to hear about the Spice Girls. We're not going to hear about some emo shit that, you know, just makes you cry. All right. I'm we're going to. No, you're not. You're, well, we're going to have to listen to some acapella stuff. Yeah. Acapella bullshit. Yeah, all right. Jake Do you, you think the only thing I listen to is acapella? Yeah. You would yeah. be correct. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing what if, else. What if that was true? What if, what if Danny Elfman? Uh, what if Danny Elfman did an acapella Oingo Boingo album? Uh, he didn't do an album, but he did a song. It was um, Oh God! Oh, oh I know this one. Oh, I know God. it. Oh God! Right Not a hundred percent acapella. I think it was. Oh fuck! Hold on. Get back to me. Okay. All right. Uh, Tom Rundgren did an album where it was acapella, but it sounded like normal song. But he just like. Put his voice through like synclavers and synthesizers and wow. That, what album was that? It's called Acapella. It's hmm. like from 1985. It's like a Beat Street kind of thing. <laughs> beat Street, the king of the beat. Rocking that beat from across the street. <laughs> the- <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, John. Are you ready? We're gonna yes. put. Who bought the rights to the legendary TV show Soul Train after 35 years of broadcast ending in 2006? Who bought the TV rights? Who bought the rights to the TV show Soul Train? Was it Quincy Jones, Pharrell Williams, or Irvin Magic Johnson? Was it Quincy Jones, Pharrell Williams, Magic? Thriller, Happy, or Showtime? <laughs> hmm. Whoever bought it ain't doing much with it. Um, the, according to the card, there was reportedly a film project on the go following the purchase. Oh, oh there was What's a TV them? show. There was a, what, wasn't there a bio of uh, Don Cornelius? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I thought somebody did a movie on Don Cornelius. They did a show called American Soul that was supposed to be like the making of it or something. Ah, there you go. Was that a documentary? Or was it like a biopic? It was like a biopic TV series, I think. Kind of like Winning Time. Yeah, there you go. I wonder who played Don Cornelius. Clue Gulliger. That's right. <laughs> That's right. See, see, he's in everything. John, uh, I'm gonna guess uh, Quincy Jones. No, it was Magic. How about that? Magic. Jake. Yeah. Hey, very good. Rapper Drake was born and raised oh. in which country? Canada? La Canada? The good old US of A? Or Puerto Rico? I have no idea. Really? Canada. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's it. Grassy, homie. <laughs> All right. I'm reading this. I'm actually reading this. Okay. 
Uh, this is from my man, uh, Brent. Brent, why did Robin Thicke's hit song Blurred, I'm sorry, Blurred Lines, cause significant controversy? Is it because it contained, is it because it contained plagiarized material? Was it because its lyrics and video clip bothered women? Or was it its video clip had been financed by a famous cigarette brand? I'm sure it's the first one because of Marvin Gaye, but it was actually the first two even, actually. <laughs> so either it's plagiarized or it's... I'm going to say it's plagiarized is the answer on the car, but it actually came out not too long ago that I guess there was a woman that felt she's being like sexually harassed on set or something like that. That was a few years ago, wasn't it? You are, the, the second one would have been correct, Brent. It's clip, really? video clip. It's, it's lyrics and video clip bothered women. The song, a duet with T.I. and Pharrell Williams, uh, profited from the uproar. The uncensored version of the clip showing bare-breasted women has millions of online views. And they, they stole that shit from Marvin Gaye. Yeah. They lost that court case. It was, uh, <laughs> it was um, um, what song am I thinking of? It was, um, oh, shit, what song? I was too nervous to really get down. Um, I can't think of the name. I can hear it in my head. I can't think right. of the right uh, Mike, Mikey Bags, The Bagford Files. To which TV character does Isaac Hayes... A.K.A. Truck Turner, lend his voice. Is it Cleveland Brown from Family Guy, Mr. Smithers from The Simpsons, or Chef from South Park? It would be a Chef from South Park. That's right. Jake. Hello, children. Yep. Jake, it's you and Mikey Bags. I never would have thought this was going to happen. No offense to you. (laughs) Uh, so I'm taking. Jake, what 1996 hit, summer hit, is remembered for its famous choreography? Was it Macarena? Was it Scatman? Or was it Je Danse Le Mia? Je Danse La Mia. Was it the Macarena, Scatman, and in parentheses, Stibop, Badapop? I mean, Scatman really doesn't have any choreography. So I'm going to say, I don't know when Macarena come out, but I'm going to assume it's Macarena. It is Macarena. God dang it, Jake. You you reason that out. I'm like, Scatman just has, just has him fucking, like, just pull a close up on his face, like convulsing at the camera. Mikey Bags. What is the other passion of Jack Johnson, singer and musician of the album In Between Dreams? What is the other passion of Jack Johnson? Is it cooking? Is it yoga? Or is it surfing? Cooking, yoga, or surfing? What do you say? What do you say? Let's say you. What say you? Are you going are you going with uh Yeah? Okay. Bye. Take it easy. Bring him back a Coke Zero, thanks. A uh, little bastard. All right. Uh, cooking, surfing, or yoga? Cook a yoga. Cook, surfing. Cooking, yoga, or surfing? You are correct, surfing. First of all, don't correct me, Michael. It sickens me. And secondly, oh. you are correct, sir. Who said, Jake, they didn't let, let us play at the Grammy Awards because they thought we weren't good for ratings? We were so happy, man. Was it the Gallagher brothers from Oasis? Was it Jonesy of Sigur Ross or was it Tom York from Radiohead? 
Tom York. He uh, of superfluous letters in his name. The, the first one. No, Sigur Ross. Are you kidding? I believe they're, 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 they're Norwegian or Swedish. They're from somewhere where you have to be polite all the time. It was Tom York from Radiohead. Michael Bagford, you are the winner of this week's Musical IQ. How do you feel, man? You feel good? <laughs> you, you you won that easily. That was real easy. You took John knock got knocked out pretty early. That's usually your but Brent Snow's Brent Snow uh, no uh, that, was a, that was a trick question I got. Yeah. yeah. Right. What what was the most right? Yeah, yeah. I say both were right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like those SAT questions. Which answer is the yeah. What's the most correct answer? Yeah, which answer is more, more correct? Yeah. Uh, it's okay. I have this thing, uh, uh, this game we were playing was culture karaoke last week, and I, it got some good conversation. Um, let me ask you this: this question to this day is the question. Uh, what is a song that is at least twenty years old that you still keep in the rotation? What is a song that's twenty years old that you still keep in the rotation? I mean, all of us here, we we do that all the that's time. 2000s. Yeah, that's two thousands. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you got, John? John, what's a song that's at least twenty years old that you keep in the rotation? No. <laughs> this for all of us. That's every- yeah, everybody. I said, John. John, what's a song that's twenty years old that? Uh, yeah, it's true because I'm listening to stuff that's like, you know, 80 years old. <laughs> so it's no trick. I don't know. White Stripes? Give me a song. Give me one song that you owe is still in the... Uh... Like uh, Seven Nation Army. Oh, there you go. Mm. John? Or no, no, you're not John. Yes. Jake? <laughs> wow. That's the first time you've done that. No, I did it last <laughs> week. I did it last week, too. I'm getting old. Yeah. Also, Patrick's not here. And fucking hell. And loving it. <laughs> <laughs> What's 20, 20 years old that I keep in rotation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, mm, let's see. Uh, Rock the House by the Gorillas. Hmm. 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 <laughs> or, Clint, or Clint Eastwood, a lot of that. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you say? Uh, what do you say, Brent? Uh, Atomic Dog by George Clinton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, Mikey Bags. Uh, since there's so many songs that I like that are 20 years old, over 20 years old, right? So I'll give it a song that's 20 years old. Uh, 2002, Dave Matthews Band, uh, Grace Street. Oh, there you go. How about you, Mario? Uh, dude, well, we talk about it all the time. I mean, anything from the... I'm listening to the 80s hip-hop constantly. Uh, like, constantly. So, anything like that um, is always a is always a, 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 a go-to. Or, uh, you know, I mean, my, you know, all of my Kinks catalog. I mean, the Kinks stopped recording in 93... So anytime I pop in a Kinks out, but I will tell you one song that's at least twenty years old that always, always, always gets in the rotation is probably well. Let's see, is it twenty years old? It's "Fantastic Voyage" by Coolio. What year did that come out? 
That's like 96 or something. I say 95, 96. Yeah, then there you go. That one, that one gets a lot of play. That one gets a lot of play. Yep. 94. There we go. There we go. All right. Yeah, that's one. That's one that if it's, if that's on, I'm listening to it. If that's on, uh, all right. That CD. Every time I go to the record store, they always have that album there for like a dollar. Every time I go, <laughs> I have yet to grab it. <laughs> Here we go. Name a song that references a color. Name a song that references a color. John, name a song that references a color. I was just listening to it yesterday. Uh, Turn Blue by Iggy Pop. All right. Jake? Mm. Jake, honey, how about you? Little Red Corvette. Little Red Corvette. All right. Brent? Red Bone by Childish Gambino. Dang. (laughs) Uh, Mikey Beggs. Uh, Blue Jean by David Bowie. Wow. Blue Jean. Uh, I will say Blue Days, Black Nights by uh, by uh, Buddy Holly. How about that? You weren't oh, ex- two colors. Oh, yep. that out. Two of them. Go buddy. Extra credit. Go buddy. Uh, okay, here's here's one. Here's here's one. Uh, perform an embarrassing song that your mom likes to sing or like to sing. Perform an embarrassing song that your mom liked to sing. Is there any uh, embarrassing song? <laughs> Okay. John, do you have any embarrassing songs that your mom liked to sing? Not embarrassing. You know, it's weird. I don't because she had great musical taste. (laughs) She was into a lot of the same music I'm into, so I really can't think of her doing a song where I would cringe because it was always right on the money. She had very good musical taste. (laughs) That should have been easy, but I yeah, I can't think of anything. Okay, that's okay. What about you, Jake? Uh, I'm the same. Me and my mom have pretty similar music tastes. So, pretty much everything Actually, then. She, probably, she doesn't like acapella music, but you know. <laughs> uh, I I did get a lot of my taste of music from her, so I can't say anything. Well, you can though. Nope. Brent. Pop that pussy! Hey, pop that pussy! Oh man, that's a great song. That's great. Pop. That, pop. That's pop. That's just funny, is it? That's, that's a great. That's a cool mom. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's a pretty. Hip, that's a pretty hip mom. <laughs> like, I grew up listening to all that. That's why I am the way I am. I wanna. <laughs> you can thank your mom. That's right. I do all the time. <laughs> Mikey bags. And this is a song that my mom would sing to make me cringe. Whatever, just an embarrassing song that your mom liked. Yeah, like she she makes up songs. So it's like, oh, he's a baby. Stuff like that. Wow. Sounds like a hit, though. I love it. Bars. Mikey Bagford, he's a... Bars. (laughs) Mikey Bagford, he's no lady. Uh, I'm going to say my mom used to listen to, didn't listen to a lot of stuff growing up that wasn't, uh, that I wasn't listening to, you know, like it'd be like, she'd just be like, Hey, play this or play that. You know, my mom's very much rooted in the, uh, in the, um, 
in the, the like the doo-wop 50s. But during the 80s, the song Let's Hear It by for the Boy by Denise Williams. My mom loved that song. My mom loved that song. And at that at that stage in my life, I did not want to hear that. I did not I was not into that uh that type of happy pop music. So that that'd probably be my what, what movie was that in? Was it was that in like Flash Day uh, Footloose. Footloose, that's it. That's it's, it. it's in Footloose, I think. Yeah. When that, that song came like, out, uh, my mom could not get enough of that song. It would be on the radio. She would just be driving around and doing... Oh, we- yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oddly enough, my dad liked it, too. Weird. Oh, they was blasting it together, then. Weird, yeah. I would come on. I would be like, what is wrong with my parents? What the hell is wrong with you people? In the back seat, slide down, make sure they don't see you in the back. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> This one is called. Like dancing to it. This this next song is bottoms up. Perform or not perform. Name a song about alcohol. Name a song about alcohol. Uh-oh. John. Uh, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Very good, John. Very good. Jake. I'm gonna say before Mario. Brass Monkey by the Beastie Boys. Yeee. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Brass Monkey. Jake, what do you got? Uh, a Tennessee whiskey. Beautiful. Michael Bags? Alcohol by the Kings. Oh, great song. Great, 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 great song. Old Demon Alcohol. Old Demon Alcohol. Sad memories he can't recall. Uh, geez, these are, oh, geez. All right. Uh, oh, I got it. Hold on. I'm getting a text from our friend Justine. Uh oh. Oh, she's on, she's on her way in. So, what we're going to do is we'll, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll leave the meeting open and then we'll reconvene. And when we come back, we'll do our digital movie club. And because uh, I got to make a quick phone call to the guy. Fixing my car. That's what we like to call. What's your alcohol? What's your alcohol that's what we like to call uh, TMI. I like all the songs you guys named. How about that? How about that? How about that? Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg. Come on. There you go. Hey, ball by Evie. There you go. <laughs> Come on. Gin and Juice, man. Come on. Rolling down the street, smoking endo. Sipping on gin and juice with my mind on my money and my money on my mind. That's it. Come on. What did you guys think I was going to say? Michael Bagford likes to steal my thunder. Takes all the kinks (laughs) songs. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. Thank you. I don't know why I said thank you right there. (laughs) We'll be back. Welcome back. What a lovely break. We actually had a few minutes while we waited for Justine to get back from uh, from her errands, and she's ready to go now. She's enjoying a little bit of lunch. Her purple hair is, uh, uh, she's got some nice uh, uh, backlighting there from the natural light in the window. It makes her purple hair almost take on a halo effect. Uh, kind of the, the worst video game ever, uh, right, right behind Justine, right there. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Yeah. Whoa. 
Halo sucks. Halo sucks. Yep. Like, oh, you would suck say that sucks. I would not say. Halo sucks, man. You gotta watch the TV show, Mario. No. Is it good? Yeah, you like it? I like the first episode. Ooh, I gotta watch it. Are you so? We were talking before. Is everybody caught up on Moon Knight? Did anybody watch today's episode of Moon Knight? I saw the first two. I did not see the third. I was telling John before they need to. Uh, the first two episodes could have been combined into one, and I would have been much happier. Yeah, the first one kind. Of, the first episode kind of cut pretty abruptly. Just give me five episodes of your of your show. You get four. You get four weeks. You get a month. To to drag to draw me in and then because I I've, I'm ruined I, I cannot go back to appointment TV if it's not if it's not drawing me in every week I don't want it. I want to sit down and binge it all in an afternoon and be done with it and then go on and come back in two years and go oh I remember this show and then watch season two and not remember anything that happened in season one <laughs> <laughs> yep. that's the way I want to watch that's the way I want to watch all my TV now, no it's not a millennial it's just the kind of shit that we used to dream of when we were kids it's like Oh, all these commercials, all this stuff. It's really the my generation and older that are driving this because we had to grow up with all that for years. I, I was telling my kid the other day, I really, I have, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I had the idea for what would become the iPod when I was like having to drag tapes everywhere. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if I had one machine where I could have all my music? Now, of course, I didn't envision it being in my pocket, but it'd be like, wouldn't it be cool if I could play all my CDs in my car? Like, you know... It'd be the greatest thing ever. Little did I know I'd be able to just did screen. Call, uh, did you call Steve Jobs and say, no. hey, I got an idea for you? John, I mean, you probably thought of something similar at one time. I sure. wish I wish sure. I could store like, all my like music. What you'd like is like a jukebox. Right. Now, that's the way we, th- we thought of it in like terms of, jukebox. yeah, we thought of it in terms of that. But, yeah, we wanted it. Now I have it. It's great. Now I'll never listen to the radio again. And everybody's like, oh, terrestrial radio's dying. Good. That's for making me sit through commercials through rush hour. All those years. I hope it dies. I hope commercial television dies. I hope network... I agree with you that I can no longer sit through a movie with commercials. I just can't do it. And because even if I'm watching Turner Classics, there's no commercials. Right. So I can't do it anymore. If I'm clicking around and like AMC showing The Godfather, first time there's a commercial, I'm like, I'm out. I'm not going to sit through commercials right. in the middle of a movie anymore. You know? And I, John, I think it's more like our generation because we've been doing it for years and now that we've We've seen the promised land of not having to do it. It's like, I'm never doing that again. I will pay whatever amount of money not to sit through commercials. The only time I watch commercials is on YouTube and maybe Hulu because they play beginning and end. Right. But YouTube, I don't know why I won't just pay the money and watch it without a commercial. I think it's like, what, 10 minute video? I'll watch one commercial. If you Mm -hmm. get Google, if you have your phone on Google Fi, which I do, I have Google Fi. You get uh, YouTube, um, what is it, the, 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 the bumped up one for free. YouTube Premium. YouTube Premium. You get it for free. That's what, that's what I got. So I, no commercials. I, it doesn't cost that much, and you don't get the commercials, yeah. How much is it? I just can't do it. 11 bucks. Yeah. It's, no. Dude, if, you, if you're on YouTube, worth, even a boy, it's, amount, worth it's so it. worth it. The I, first yeah. day. The first day, I was like, yep, that was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I went to... Streaming services. Why would I pay for it for something so little? You know what? It is just being because I'm on YouTube a lot. I'm watching a lot of old stuff. Like, yeah. 
like, all right, I'll just sit through that. See, but you, you see, video is longer too. You get multiple ads in the video. And you're like, no, I'm not. Here's doing the thing with John and I are now, you know, in middle age, past middle age, pushing through middle age. We've got our fill of commercials. We never want to see another one. How much do I have to pay to never see another commercial? I will pay it. Now, you guys are younger, what's so it's the, like. What's the joke I always make? I, I remember this vividly from when I was like 12 years old. They'd show The Invisible Man, which is like a 69-minute movie, and they'd blow it into three hours with commercials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I kid you not, I can remember. They'd show you five minutes of movie, and then, okay, here's Ralph Williams showing you. A, here's Cal Worthington you know, at the local Dodge dealer. And you're like, Jesus. You don't realize until after the fact how many commercials you sat through right. as a kid. Right. My God, that wasn't a three hour movie. That was like an hour and ten minutes. Brent, I'm not kidding you. I went through um I watched something on the free version of Shout Factory the other day, and it gives oh, you the ad count in the corner. It was ad one of eleven, and I was like, Oh, they're gonna show eleven ads throughout the two hours I'm about to watch, right? Nope. It was 11 in a row, and then they were doing that thing where it would play the commercial twice in a row. I got about two minutes in, I was like, I'm done. Whatever it was, I don't need to watch it that badly. Pluto Pluto TV does it a lot, too, where you would like watch something, it's the same ad will play over and over again. I'd be watching the Mystery Science Theater. It's actually on right now. (laughs) It's like, legit, it's been on this whole time in the background. I've seen an ad for Star Trek The Motion Picture on Paramount Plus like eight times now. In like 30 minutes, I've been sitting here. Oh. <laughs> well, I, that's what your Pluto TV is all right to have on in the background, and it does run ads, but I don't, that doesn't bother me because it's kind of like background noise. But mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago on Pluto, I was, I was marathoning um, uh, some Mystery Science Theater, and there was a commercial that's now on regular TV, but it was for, it was like for a drug that helped you with depression. It was a depression drug, and there was a song in there. Uh, it was like a gospel song, and it was like uh, it, it, it was like something like I believe there's brighter days ahead, and yeah. I would just be walking around oh. the house, going, "Why is this song stuck in my head?" And I would hear it like yeah. ninety times in a row on the on Pluto. It would yeah. be it would every time you broke into like internet TV. It's like internet TV only has like five ads that they run, and a lot of it's for um, their own stuff because Paramount. Plus does that. They'll run an ad for one of their shows before you watch whatever you're going to watch. Yep. And it's like 30 seconds, but it's like, dude, I thought I was paying for no ads. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. That's nice. $10. Got to pay $10 more, yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to pay. I agree. I agree. Mario, I'm on board. Uh, I, I've gotten to the point where I'll, I'll do anything to avoid commercials. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Cause, right. Because the older you get the more precious your time is. You're like, I don't have time for this. How long have I got that I got to sit through like another, you know, I got to sit through Joe Namath selling me, uh, you know, medical insurance. Right. Oh, I don't want another half hour of that before the commercial comes back. Right. I got to, I got to watch this, this episode of, of the odd couple I've seen 14 times. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, still, I don't want to sit through any more. I know, I know. Just, uh, but you know what, John? You, go, you literally think, how much time have I got left? I don't want to. I don't want half of that to be commercials. You know. You know what it is, John? I, I believe. I believe there's uh, there's brighter days ahead. So. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, when we run, now we'll run. I'll run breaks on the show, and I'll run ads for other podcasters. But you, you're sitting in your car; it's thirty seconds, and I try to. If people send me something and it's entertaining, I throw it in there. It's fine. 
it's fine. It's thirty seconds. It's not going to kill you. You're going to hear more Brent. You're going to hear also. Uh, that's also not like sitting through a corporate commercial, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's not right. quite the same. Thing. Right. It's not as annoying. I believe so. there's Brad, and then it would start with like a the the the, the chorus would start with like this weird cuckoo. Like they do like a weird like uh, call. <laughs> In the beginning, like a bird call or something, is really really weird. Bruh. And the girl would just you know what be. I never thought I'd see. I never thought I'd see that most commercials now seem to be for medication. Right. Yeah. You know, you everything is for medication, and they do that weird thing at the end where they're like may cause internal bleeding. You know, may cause you know projectile vomit. You know, no. may cause you know out of control diarrhea. And you're like, what the fuck? Why would I want this? May I'm, cause. You know, do not look at Happy Fun Ball. Do not look at, remember that commercial for Happy Fun Ball on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Do not touch Happy yeah, Fun Ball. Exactly. Do not look at Happy Fun yeah. Ball. Yeah. Uh, there was one for, uh, for potato chips. Uh, what was it? With o- Olestra. Was the, uh, Olestra. 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 May, may cause projectile file, may cause bleeding from the anus. And you're like, I don't, I, I'll just not eat potato chips. If that's what I got to choose from, right. I'll, I'll just, how about this? I don't have a, uh, a bloody anus, but I will, I'll just not eat potato <laughs> chips. <laughs> bloody ass. I love that bloody ass. That's what chips. that should have been the brand name. That should have been from yeah, Frito Lay. Yeah. Bloody ass to A lot chips. of people don't know. That's what uh, B. A. Baracus's nickname was on A Team. That's what B. A. stood for. Bloody ass. Who used to say that? My uncle used to say that. Bitch ass <laughs> You're like to his face he said it. <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh B. A. Baracus. Just give him a glass of milk. George Fapard said that. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. Man, I just watched WrestleMania one with uh B. A. Baracus in there. Oh yeah. I saw that live. I saw that live my brother took me to the long beach sports arena and we watched it on closed circuit tv from from madison square garden they 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 broadcast it they simulcast it into the sports arena there we all sat in there looked at the big screens it was crazy and people in the arena where we were were going nuts even though they couldn't hear it was crazy it was cool man it was fun that was those were the those were glory days of wrestling uh, my man Junkyard Dog was there, my all-time favorite wrestler. You got uh, you got uh, Rick, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You got uh, 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 Jimmy Superfly was in there in the corner with pre-murder. Roddy Piper. That was the that was the Cindy Lauper was in there managing. Come on. That's right. Come on. Yeah. Who was she hanging out with? Somebody was in one of her videos. Captain Lou yeah, Albano. Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Lou. That was a neat crossover. Mm-hmm. You know, here's Cindy Lauper and here's Captain Lou. Right, right. Uh, all right, let's get to in one of the matches too. That's right. She was a uh, she was she was um, managing. Was it Wendy Richter for the? Uh, I think so. For the female championship, and of course, uh, the fabulous Moolah was the opposing manager. Uh, man, that, that was a great the Gorilla Monsoon. Those were great. Those were some great names out there. Oh, yeah. Of course, Bobby you, the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan, and then. Uh, Classy Freddie Blassie, come on, bro. Uh-huh. Bruno Sammartino, the old man. <sighs> That's good stuff. Falling on deaf ears, Mario. Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. 
Man, that was, I was telling my wife, there was a time where I was just as passionate about WWF when I was growing up as I was about the Dodgers or the Lakers. Like, it was like, that was like, like every Saturday, get up and watch. Uh, How you feel about them Lakers now, Mario? Oh, you know, well, LeBron's going to take his talents back to, uh, back to Cleveland, hopefully, and then we'll just get some. <laughs> but of course, we traded the farm. We don't get any, I think the Lakers don't get any new draft picks to like 2027. 2025 or 2027, it's a long way off, so we're going to be in the toilet for a while. We're going to relive the uh, 1990s Sedale three days coming up. We're going to be re- reliving a lot of a lot of Cedric Sabalos going out to Lake Havasu instead of playing basketball, you know? Uh, so so buckle up if you're a Lakers fan. I just bought myself a nice Lakers cap, by the way, so I'll be, sp- I'll be sporting that too. I support the team no matter what. Uh, I just don't get as excited about them when they suck, man, so... Justine, did you see? Justine, did you see that uh, Clayton Kershaw almost he threw a perfect seven innings today, and then they yanked him. No, but I watched the documentary on Fernando uh, on Valenzuela on Thirty for Thirty, Fernando Nation. Yeah, it was on uh, the Disney Disney Plus. It was a great. Yes, I loved it. It went in all the way into like Chavez, the whole Chavez Ravine controversy, and how like. So excited, and I wasn't even like they didn't even show me the full game. I got excited for him. Man, I, as someone who lived through Fernando Mania and went to Dodger Stadium at that time, it was nuts. It was like I've never, I up until that time, I had never seen that many Latinos in one place. Not even, yeah, it, it was crazy. not even in the back of my mom's station wagon. Hello, I can make those jokes. Did I watch what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, I had watched that when it ran originally, and then when I got the Hulu ESPN package through Disney Plus, I watched it again. Yeah, watch the um, Mario. Watched it. I produced. Justine, watch the uh, the. It's like a four day something for Boston. I want to watch that next. Yeah, watch the. I was going to recommend to you the Celtics Lakers. It's called Best of Enemies, the Celtics Lakers rivalry. I hate the Celtics, dude. Nook, Isabella came in and I they replayed the 84 finals when the Lakers lost to the I literally had my head down because I, re, I was reliving what it was like when I was 13 years old watching that damn finals um, and my, just, she was like are you okay right watch it it's great it's super good it's it's a great three parter but it's it go it's worth it best of enemies also there's one on HBO Max that's just called um Bird and Magic, and that one's only like, I think it's like maybe like an hour, 90 minutes. That's a good one, too. Only? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, compared to the three-hour, the six-hour documentary about the Lakers Celtics, that is a fantastic one. That is great. So watch it. But, yeah, I'm glad you watched Fernando Mania. Did you? It was only, it's a short one, too. It's like 45 minutes long. The whole time I was like, he looks like Mario. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you, I, I look my. I, did you like now when you watch Bull Durham? What, that's why when he does the delivery, he looks up to the sky. Nuke Lelouch, he does that stupid thing where he looks up to the sky, <laughs> breathing through. Like, he's breathing through his eyes like Fernando. Yeah, it, it was cool. I I didn't know much about him, so it was it was interesting. And then they show the history of um the of um them building the stadium and pulling families out of their houses. To- mm-hmm. Build it, I go. Right. I didn't know that. I got right. So mad. Mad. That, I'm like, I got mad at the stadium. I've been a 
little mad for the past few days. That's that's the whole. And what I love about it is they gave you that history and they gave you the backstory and yeah. they, and then it's sort of how he like brought that fan base back or brought the fan base in. Yeah, where, and they asked him like, "Did you know that?" And he was like, "No, I didn't know that." Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that was it, man. That's I remember going to the stadium in those days, and it was just it was crazy. I s- saw him pitch a few times during like the height of Fernando Mania. We would go like, like literally. And I was watching it up with like, I wonder if Mario was like, I can do it. Look at him; he looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I we went to the parade that year, the year they won. They won in '81, and we went to the parade, and then. We went to the, they, they, it ended at City Hall and they on the steps of City Hall and they all made speeches. And I remember Fernando spoke in Spanish and everybody was just like, ah. it was great. Yeah, yeah. good times, man. And then, uh, you know, these were the days where I was seeing all the legends live. Your, your, your Steve Garvey's and your Pedro Guerrero's and your Bill Russell's and your Ron Say. And, and then I would go to the sports, my brother taking the sports arena. I would see my, the Hulk Hogan's and the Andre the Giants, you know. The only team I never saw live at that time was the Showtime Lakers. I never got to see in person. I never got to see the Showtime Lakers live. on TV. Yeah, but never, never in person. That was the that. That's my one regret from that from that time. Do they have a street or anything named after him? Who? Fernando. No, no. Mm-mm. Surprise. I'm sure they're gonna do something because he's now in the. He does Spanish radio for the. And yeah, like, I heard. yeah, yeah. So I'm sure they'll do something in the stadium for him. But whenever they announce him, like if you ever there at a game and they announce that he's there, they'll show like a highlight. It's like, oh, it's the anniversary of Fernando's no hitter or whatever. If he's in the stadium and they'll they'll like announce it, they'll like flash to him in the booth. The stadium goes crazy to this day. Like, oh, he, he killed. Yeah, it. yeah. He gets a huge oh, ovation every so time. Yeah. I need to get a Fernando jersey. I have a Fernando shirt, but not a jersey. I need to get a Fernando jersey. That's my next acquisition, guys. Let's uh, so please to sign up for the Patreon so I can get a Fernando Valenzuela jersey. All right. <sighs> All right, Michael Bagford looks like he's ready to really let loose on this soundtrack. And uh, wait, who I, hasn't seen it again? I'm sure this movie's going to get all tens. So we'll just go. We'll skip right to that part. There it is. Look at that. Brent's got it right there. Thirty. How much does that one run, Brent? $85. They got it in the beefy 2X? They got a 2X there? 2X. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. They went up to $89, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to charge you for that extra material. You got to get it around the gut. You got to get it. You got to get it around the gut. All right. This week's movie, uh, which we, we just uh, talked about, um, or what we're leading up to now is uh, a little movie. If you want to relive the Fernando days, you want to relive the uh, the Sandy Koufax days. If you want to relive the uh, a lot of eras in American history, you're gonna watch. Well, you're gonna want to watch this movie. Uh, this is, of course, uh, oh, you know who's gonna do the synopsis this week? You know, it might as well be Jake. Jake, go ahead and pull it up while I let you know that this week's movie is Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump with a budget of. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, give us the breakdown, Jake. Hold, please. Hold, please. Okay, here we go. Uh, Forrest Gump, released on June 23rd, 1994, uh, with a budget of $55 million. $55 million. We'd like to guess the total box office. This was huge. This was a huge movie. 
Huge. Five million? Wow. Yeah. Three hundred and sixty million dollars. Yeah. You're gonna say three sixty? A lot. There's a lot of CG in this movie. There is. It's yeah, and it's even yeah. It's I think might even be twenty. John, what do you guess? Uh, how much it made? Yes. Yeah. Uh, say again, how much it, uh, it took to make it? Fifty-five. The budget was fifty-five million dollars. Ninety-four money. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say it made like two hundred. Two hundred million. Flat two hundred. Yeah. Yep. Mikey Bags? 500 million. F- mm. You're gonna go, you say it made, you think it made half a billion. Okay. Uh, Brent, you said 360? 360. All right. Uh, Justine? Why are you going around again? What did you say? I said 220. Oh, I didn't hear you say 220. I'm sorry. I'm gonna say 201. 201. I swear he was gonna say <laughs> Two hundred one million, Jake. Well, closest is going to be Michael Bagford with a total box office of six hundred and seventy-eight point two million. Holy shike! That's twice what Brent. That's twice what Brent said. People went nuts for this. Why though? Because uh, it's a baby boomer's wet dream. Are you kidding me? Oh, is it? Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word. It's because it's baby boomers can look back and say, look at all the good stuff we did and pat themselves on the back and feel good about uh, it. You, you really think that's what that you think that's what it was? Yeah. Well, no, not for uh, not for a lot of people, but I think uh I think a lot of people you don't think the story su- you don't think the story sucked them in, huh? You think they're all like, Hey, we were pretty good, huh? I think of that has I think it has a lot to do with it. I think I think America's uh love for anyway. love love of nostalgia had a lot to do with it too. And the soundtrack. I mean yeah, yeah. Because at the time, look, look, look at look at who the movie going audience. I was twenty two at this age, so this movie wasn't really. Uh, Brent was three. This movie wasn't made for people my generation. It was made. It was made for the people the generation above me, the people with disposable income in their thirties, who were all who had all lived through Vietnam, and lived through you know, uh, the hippie era and the disco era and all that. So you know, that's who that movie was for. And so, yeah, heck yeah, people wanted to see that. Hey, look, he's there with Kennedy. Hey, look, he's there with OBJ. Hey, look, he's there with... Oh, my God. Hey, look, he's at the Watergate. What? I got a question about this music, people. Is this, like, every song that played in this movie at certain parts was, like, super, like, the stereotypical song that always plays in these types of songs? Right. Is it the (laughs) that started it, though? No. Part of the problem, probably, with Vietnam. Yeah. Any Vietnam movie, somebody made a joke about that. Any Vietnam movie starts with Fortunate Son, and when they're out in the water, it's usually like all along the watchtower, you know? Yeah. yeah. Somebody even did a joke where it was part of a syndrome. Every time I wake up, they're playing Fortunate Son by CCR. <laughs> right. Like, uh, oh, my God. You know? I'll tell you what. If this song probably, there's always, a, there's always a CCR song if you're doing Vietnam. But this was the yeah. first Vietnam movie I ever you saw that used Buffalo Springfield. So I always thought yeah. that that was a that was a cool. Uh, you know, if if you look at a, a Apocalypse Now and Platoon, they all kind of do that. It's this, yeah. you know, Good Morning Vietnam, and part of it is because, well, that's what would have been on the radio, and part of it is it sort of conjures images. And uh, John Fogerty said, you know, I didn't really write those songs about Vietnam, but because the guys in Vietnam, that's what they were listening to on the radios, it kind of became their thing. So he said. 
he said I accepted it, but it wasn't exactly like I was thinking of it, um, like something like Run Through the Jungle. But he said Fortunate Son was about the guys that were getting out of going to Vietnam, you know, because they had connections. Their dads were, you know, senators or rich or something. Right. They were getting out of it, like a Trump, you know. Mm. That's I think he played Fortunate Son at some rally, and they're like, God, what a doofus. What a complete oh, yeah. idiot. Don't, don't you know this is about guys like you that got out of the draft? You know? Right. <laughs> He, complete, he completely misread it. No, this is about people like you. Silver spoon in the mouth. Didn't have to do anything. Got out of the draft, you know. Bone spurs. Uh, to answer your question, Brent, there's a lot of movies. I would say by the time Forrest Gump came along, it was the, it was the end of the, probably the end of the, tre- uh, the trend. Oh, it wasn't okay. the first one to use all those songs. It was almost like, by this time, it was almost a cliche mm-hmm. uh, to, to be playing those songs while they're showing scenes from Vietnam. I still, uh, no, I, John, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I like this movie, but uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. That's my, that's my take on why. I'm the, yeah, I, I get it too. I mean, I'm the tail end of the baby boomers, so it's like well, I have no. Also, you know, let's uh, be real. And give, let, memories, but, uh, let's, let's give the kids some context, John, though. At, at the time, we were all amazed at like uh, the CGI, like Gary Sinise's legs, all that stuff at the right. time was very groundbreaking. So that was another reason it was right. kind of a draw. And it was a, it was a special effects that weren't necessarily in like a sci-fi movie or anything else. It was like you're, you're using it to do kind of everyday stuff. And I think a lot of people were kind of blown away by that at the time. It still looks good. I think the stuff with Gary Sinise still looks pretty sharp. Yeah, it does. You know? I think Gary Sinise looks pretty sharp. You know what I'm saying? Hey. I've uh, hey. always does a good job, but uh, so let's get into it. Brent has never seen, but Michael, you you'd seen this, right? You had seen this before. Yeah. Okay. Everybody had seen it. Jake, you were a C. You had seen this. I'd seen. Yeah. You seen kids, did you kids see this when you were fairly young, or did you wait a while? Did you pay, when did your parents drop this on you? I don't know. Theaters. It was like eight. Oh. Justine, you saw it in theaters. There's sex wow, in it. Know. Well, the next year it was like Titanic, right? Because then I watched Titanic in theaters. Uh, no, that was three years later. Oh, yeah, 97? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Here's a question, Justine. Did you see The Lion King in the theater? Because it was the same year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did too. Uh, duh. Yeah. I know, that was like, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was amazing in theaters. It was, yeah. Golden Age of Animation. No, no, no. It, well, it was like the, the second golden, the no. third golden age. <laughs> made the Disney animation. Mm-hmm. What is the best one from that era? Jake, what's the best one? Uh, my favorite is Hercules. Oh, I think that was a little bit later. There's no way a movie with a soundtrack by Phil Collins is going to be uh, considered part of the golden that's age of animation. Yeah, that's the wrong movie, partner. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's, it's that same era, so there's no way. You can't call it the golden age if you got a soundtrack by Phil Collins. That's just, you know what it was? It was the money. When they say golden age, it was because they were making money again. Stuff like uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, uh, uh-huh. Mermaid. It was yeah, it was making money, and that's why they call it the gold, the second golden age because they're, suddenly they're making money again. Oh. Disney had been through. I mean, a, you can't say that Tarzan's real. animation isn't fantastic. I can say that the movie's not good. Yeah, yeah. Fucked, I'm talking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to talk about that, but yeah. It's garbage. But it was extremely well animated. Mm. Hey, the Lion King made 45 million and made 968 million. What's that? <laughs> the Lion 
Night King cost forty-five million and made nine hundred and sixty-eight. That thing was Ooh. that thing was massive. Aladdin was massive. The Lion King was the first one to break. Uh, what would that make? Did that make like uh, two hundred million or something? Or no, he just said it made nine hundred million. Nine hundred and sixty-eight. It made nine hundred and sixty-eight yeah. million. Yeah. Okay. That's why they started lining up more movies. They said, wow, if we're going to make this much on a movie. And, uh, and what happened was nothing after The Lion King made as much. So they started laying off animators. I knew some animators that were mm. working as uh, sign painters at Trader Joe's. And they're like, yeah, they laid off about 2,000 animators because they realized not every movie was going to make the same amount as The Lion King. <laughs> you know? Well, they, yeah. I mean, it was varying quality. I'm telling you, you had, they had great, you had, you had your high highs. In your low lows, you know. Mario, the Tarzan cost 130 and made 448. Which one? Yeah, Tarzan. Yeah. It's oh, terrible. In your still, trip. still like, yeah. Hey, Titanic is the highest grossing movie of all time, and that thing sucks. <laughs> I agree. You know, money that money does not equal quality. Just because it made money doesn't mean it's a right. good film. Right. You know? Because the yeah. the mass amount of moviegoers are dumb. Remember, you're, you're oh Phil Collins, Phil Collins wrote all the music. Oh, let's let's go see it. Oh, that's right. That's actually the best part. Yeah, yeah, that's, they have some good music. That's some good music out of that movie. Hey, Titanic, I have got a lot of Avatar, Mario. Avatar sucked too. I I heard, I haven't seen it. Don't waste your time. <laughs> you know, don't uh, don't go out of your way. <laughs> yeah, it's an issue. Yeah, you know what they're seeing that either. Pocahontas. Let me ask you a question, Justine. I'm going to ask Justine. Can I ask you a personal question? Like, and the, and I want you to answer honestly. And and Patrick's not here. I know he's in. So I'm a bit, I'm taking a risk in asking you, but uh, have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Is that like the singing uh, tree? Is that like the grandma who's the singing it's tree? Lyric. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Wasn't she like their, wasn't that like a singing dark, tree? She had dark oh. hair. It was long, and I was like, oh, shit. This is the best princess. Uh, oh, shit. It's me. <laughs> I have long brown hair, long dark hair. Mm -hmm. All the princesses didn't have I'm Pocahontas. They, they were all blondes, weren't they? <laughs> you know who they were all blondes. Didn't the mermaid have red hair or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She also gave up her voice for a dude. Yeah. Gross, Jake. But we're. She gave up her voice for a dude. Yeah, yeah. I love that synopsis. She gave up her voice for a dude. Mermaid gives up her voice for a dude. I was referring mainly to the red hair, but you know. I know. So you're a fan of redheads, Jake. Hmm. Oh, okay. Jake's heard, definitely heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Hello. Hey. Sounds like something the Joker would say. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Cry to the blue corn moon, Batman. Was Mel Gibson the voice of the hero in Pocahontas? Was that the. Yes. John Smith. So she was in love with Mad Max. He had a generic name, too. That was his name in real life. 
John oh, okay. Smith. Oh, based off real stats, right. Did, uh, you know did they... he, was the, he was the first John Smith. It was 16. Yeah. <laughs> what was the year 16 something? He's the first John Smith. Did they do the happy ending where she gets taken to London and paraded around and then uh, dies of smallpox? Did they do that? That's the second one, yeah. Dies of smallpox. Yeah, that's... yeah, she's 12 years old, shaved head, and, ha- and dies of smallpox in another Ooh. country. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. That's, that's the real story. Really that's oh, yeah. how it really went down. Thanks. Well, they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't put that in the movie. Nah, yeah. They didn't have. Well, Disney said, mm, let's uh, kind of embellish it a little. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have Tom Hanks uh, meet Pocahontas in this one. I'll tell you that one. You know. <laughs> Hottie. What's that? Whoa. Who? Cocoa. Cocoa. Oh. That's a love interest, guys. <laughs> Come on, you guy! Come on, dudes! He had like the pecs, and he had that little like bear claws on his chest. Yeah, he had he had bear claws on his titties. That's right. But he had donuts Six on his. On, and then he... <laughs> donuts on, yeah. Oh, those bear claws. Okay. Uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, this guy's in the picture. Man. Eve. Yeah, Eve has some on her chest. Oh, uh, you got the pole. Oh, on her. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cocoaums sounds like it sounds like a dessert. Hey, can I get can I get two cocoaums, please? All right, let's uh, let's rank Pocahontas, guys. Are you ready, uh, Mikey? What do you give uh, Pocahontas? Never seen it. Neither have I. Oh, looked at me all crazy when I said I never seen. It. I've never seen the whole thing. All right. Up oh, there's that maniacal laugh again. Zero. Okay, so let's talk Forrest Gump. Uh, I don't need. We don't need to do a synopsis. Uh, everybody knows this movie, a modern classic. Tom Hanks. This really launched yeah. Tom Hanks to superstardom. Tom Hanks already mm-hmm. on his way up. Had already won the Oscar for Philadelphia. We had, we talked about how uh, League of Their Own was kind of a turning point for him, and now here he is. Uh, really, uh, just this. I, there's no looking back after this. I mean, it's just up until he does maybe. Is this the second Oscar. Uh, I, did he win the Oscar for this? Did did he win the Oscar? It was back to back Oscars. So was this the one after Philadelphia? Anybody looking that up? Anybody looking up? Yeah, what? One. Oh God! Always your job. Yeah, yeah it's, it's your job today, dude. Come on. It's your job to free. I wasn't ready. He was. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for this. Patrick, where are you? He had he had to have, yeah. He won best actor. That was his third Oscar. His oh no, that was the second Oscar. First one he won was for Philadelphia, and the second was Forrest Gump. He was nominated for his 1989 film Big. Okay, Justine, what were you gonna say? There you go. You got nothing. <laughs> we done now. So Justine, you're like seven years old. You're watching this movie. What did you think? Um, I was amazed by the CGI. I was like, whoa, he was really there? <laughs> <laughs> I was That's what I thought. Guys, I didn't get it. I was like, this is amazing. Amazing. And he shook the president's hand. I was like, what? Yeah, right. And I just, in my mind, it was kind of, I don't know if I really knew the difference yet, but I was like, whoa, he taught Elvis his moves and he did this and that, but I was just a kid, so... I believed it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, he mooned the president? He took his pants down and mooned the president? <laughs> yeah, I just, I remember him 
laying down with his butt out eating ice cream. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I wish I could do that. That one day. You could do it if you wanted to. <laughs> Uh, Mikey, what did you think when you first... Did you see this in theaters? Oh, yeah. I saw this in theaters when I was about 9 or 10. Yeah. yeah. And I loved the film. Like, I thought, yeah, the CGI effects were really great at the time. I was kind of used to seeing Tom Hanks in comedies at the time, so it was a little bit different to see him in a role like this. And uh, you probably had a little notepad out. You were writing all the songs down, probably. Like a young Mikey Bags was like... Mm. Uh, no, but my mom did get the soundtrack from Yes. Was it a was it a penny? It was probably two pennies, probably because it was the double PD. There you go. And she never paid the money back. That that was everybody's first bad credit score, was getting the eight CDs for a penny and then never buying another one. And then, oops. No, that was that was I the only one? They keep mailing them. <laughs> you got to mail them back. All right. Well, that well, was we a good. We actually kind of paid for some of our CDs, so we had it for like a few years. So nice. That's the way it's supposed to work. You pay them for the ones they mail. After the free ones, you keep it. Yeah, you pay them. You know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but they send me Blues Traveler Four. Nobody wants that. <laughs> it's like you flip it, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got my eight CDs. I got my. I got. They they sent me Paul's Boutique on CD. Now I am. I'm done. Now I don't need to buy anything else. Oh, you're going to send me, oh, look, uh, oh, look, Jackson Brown. Oh, great. Yeah, okay. But I, I don't understand, So because I never got into that. Did they uh, send you just whatever? They didn't, if you didn't pick, would they just send you whatever they had? Yeah, I think they would send you something they think you would like. If or, you didn't pick. Or whatever they had a lot of. But it was, it was only yeah. from the Columbia label. Right. Oh. Which in those days would have been considerable. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of big groups on the Columbia label, you know. I yeah. think we did the BMG Music Club too, which is like a similar service following it Because that was RCA, right? RCA owned BMG, right? Yeah, we might have gotten the uh, Forrest Gump soundtrack that way. There we go. There you go. What was your favorite song on the soundtrack, Mikey? Uh, favorite, man? Uh, probably. At the time, it was probably like Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac or Break On Through by The Doors, since I was listening to a lot of that at the time as well. Now it's... Yeah, it, soundtrack, was, soundtrack was pretty good for the time. Now it's Soul Kitchen. It was, kind of before, it was before the era when I got like... It was before the time I got sick of those songs. Right, which happens. Songs, right. And that, that's what's funny, John, when we talk about... Um, when Brent asked that about the songs, especially during the Vietnam era, this is all stuff that Cares would play. So we were sick of it by the time this movie came out, because <laughs> that was the problem with the. Uh, you're right. That's right. The and the problem with the soundtrack to the big, the big chill, was I loved Motown, but that's all Cares played, and it was only the hits. You'd never hear anything that was like a deep cut. So you're like, all right, already. You know, I don't have to hear my guy for the two billionth time. So if you're out of the area, Cares Cares um, was a was a radio station. Cares 101 that played oldies. Back in the 80s. And the thing thing was, it was the most inoffensive channel. So anywhere you walked into it, any grocery store, any liquor store, any any place in, in like L.A. that where you could where you had music and you didn't want, you know, they weren't going to be playing KLOS, which was hard rock. They weren't going to be playing K-Day, which was which was hip hop and rap. They were going to play K-Earth because it was it catered to the most people. There was no offensive music. You could have 
anything on there and no one's going to get offended. But it was literally the same four Beatles songs over and over, the same three songs by the Four Tops, the same three songs by the Supremes. And, uh, you know. Because you know what it was? They were only picking songs that were like number one. So for them, you know, a song that hit number two was too, it, that was a deep cut. They're like, no, no, no. We're yeah. only doing, we're just doing the big hits. And so you're right. Imagine the Beatles or the Stones getting reduced to like four songs. You know, or like Stevie Wonder, you got them down to like two, three songs. Right. You're like, God, I know there's more out there, but they're like, no, it's got to be a hit. It's got to be nothing offensive. It's going to be the right. same thing every hour on the hour. Right. You know? so right. You're right. You'd get sick of it. So by the time this movie came out, these songs were almost for doing a 60s scene. Some of these songs were a little too much on the money. It was a little too. It was almost a cliche by the time this movie came. Right. Out. To play to play Hendrix and CCR when they're in Vietnam, it was almost getting to the point where we're going, oh, okay, I've seen this before. Right. Oh. That's how I felt watching it. Yeah. That's why I always love right now. Yeah. I always really? love in the beginning of Tropic Thunder, they pick yeah, exactly. Confusion by by the Temptations, <laughs> and it works perfectly. It's like, why hasn't anybody done this before? Like this is it takes gr- a little more work. Yeah. You know, you have to think, you think, you know, there's other things on the radio in 67. It doesn't have to be always the same thing. Right. Oh. Right. You're right. That was cool. And also Kong, right? They picked some interesting ones for the uh, Kong Skull Island. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Some interesting things that were off the beaten track. You go, oh yeah, that's something they could have played. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the apocalypse now really kicked it off that, you know, uh, using, yeah. you and know, it was mostly the doors. I got to hand it to him. Uh, and it wasn't a hit. The end was an oddball song and it kind of that movie gave that song a life of its own because the end was just you know this crazy 12 minute song at the finish of the album and a lot of people of a certain age were introduced to the doors through apocalypse now and through their weirdest song it wasn't light my fire or touch me or uh, you know people are strange it was their weirdest longest song and that's how the movie you know begins and ends sure so i thought that was pretty cool you know pretty cool introduction to the doors uh, so what, which, which you, Jake, you saw this as a kid or did you see this as a movie in the movie theater? Um, I didn't see it in movie theaters cause I'm not that old, but, um, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> uh, no, I think I first saw this in, in, um, like middle school. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, didn't even question the CGI because, you know, I wasn't super familiar with U.S. history or anything. So I'm like, oh, my God, he's meeting all these famous people. That's so crazy. <laughs> and, yeah, he's just such a such a crazy story. Such an interesting character. Just, just so awesome to see him just go on this journey with him. He wasn't the most gifted person, but he still went off and did all these amazing things right just never stop running yeah just never stop running <laughs> <Get pranked. laughs> i said nothing i can already tell where this is gonna go with brett but what we're gonna do before we get to brett i well i'm sorry yeah. go ahead no no I mean, I... the music at this point it's all been played to absolute death right yeah. right which you know it would have been nice to hear some deeper cuts from you know some of the artists that they chose, but there's only one song on that soundtrack that wasn't like a hit. I think it was that the Randy Newman song, beautiful song. It's the, I think it's the only song on the soundtrack that wasn't a hit. <laughs> it was somebody awesome. said, yeah, when they're on the shrimp boat, uh, it's uh, called uh, Mr. President, 
Have Pity on the Working Man. Mm-hmm. It's got this sort of like a ragtime piano. Uh, and uh, it works beautifully. I thought, boy, they picked one where they said, not a hit, but we're going to use it. Right. <laughs> uh, John, what did you think watching this back in the 90s? What did you, what was your, uh, what was your take on it? Well, I liked it, but I didn't fall in love with it like everybody else seemed to. Everybody was just so, like, out of their heads, just thought it was the greatest thing they ever saw. And I thought it was good story. Tom Hanks is really good. Gary Sinise is really good. Um, you know, it's a sweet story. It's, uh, to me, it felt a little long. And now as I see it all these years later, it really feels like it's about a half hour too long. Right. And you just think there's, there's a way you could have tightened this up. It didn't need to be two and a half hours long. That's what she said. And hey, I said, next time I'll use lube. But anyway, Whoa. um, Mm. Okay, so good night, folks. You've been great. You've been great, audience. <laughs> Jenny, you've been a great one. See you next week. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so yeah, I enjoyed it, but I just it was kind of it's funny when you see a movie and everyone just loses their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt that way about Titanic. It was fine, but everyone just lost their mind. Isn't mm-hmm. that the greatest thing you ever saw? No. Nope. Like, well, quite frankly, no. <laughs> and you think, okay, you know, it just. Uh, but I, he's really good in that. And really, you think that uh, that's a tough part to pull off because uh, you can think of a lot of actors would have just made that a really annoying character. You have to really commit when you're playing somebody who's that, you know, that sort of dim and that sort of like sweet. It could really that could have really gotten old fast. But Tom Hanks really does a good job. You really feel for the guy. You know, he's surrounded most of his time you know, by just sharks. But somehow he muddles through. And it was kind of kind of funny to see, uh, you know, certain scenes I thought were great. Like when he's at the Vietnam uh, protest in front of the, the Washington Monument. And they say, get up there. You know, Abby Hoffman's all, get up there and say something, man. <laughs> then they, they cut the cord and they don't hear a word he says, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they plug it back and he's all, that's all I got to say about Vietnam. They're like, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, certain scenes like that I thought were pretty clever. Um, but a, some of it was just kind of cliche. And now watching it all these years later. Yeah. It feels really cliche. A lot of the stuff with Jenny feels like it's underwritten <laughs> and kind of um, they didn't take enough time. It just seems like it just sort of like cookie cutter, you know, like, OK, then she got into disco and then she took too many drugs. And you're not really giving her much time to do anything. So, you know, all this her acting is bad. It's just that they don't give her too much to do. All know? the scenes with her um, where they're kind of watching when you're watching her progress and there's really no dialogue and. He's writing the letters, and you see her in like Studio Fifty Four. It all felt like knockoff Scorsese. Like right. Scorsese does those scenes really well, where there's not right. di- there's no dialogue, and you kind of see what these characters are up to, and they're doing stuff, and there's no music, and it's like Scorsese can do those scenes, and uh, those scenes and not, for me, not, and not make it. He can do it where it doesn't. It feels real. It doesn't feel like you've seen it before. Right. Some of her stuff looked like. Uh, like a TV movie version, like, oh, you know, here she is at the folk club. It looks like the TV movie version of that. Or here she is at the disco. It feels like it's the knockoff. And they just, you're right. Uh, Scorsese would know exactly the right music. To, you know, he's a master of picking just the right song right. to play under the action. And it's not always a hit. Sometimes it's something really weird. But he picks it to fit the emotion of the scene. And at some points, this movie feels like it's just a big jukebox. And, uh, it's just the hits, and it's a little bit. It's a little too much on the nose. Like when she's walking out the door, and the doors are singing "Watch her as she's walking out the door." I thought mm-hmm. this is a little. This is a little too much on the nose. You want to make it a little less obvious. Yeah. And um, 
But I think this was designed to be a big popcorn movie, and it worked because everybody went, everybody dug it. You know what's funny? More than once watching this time, watching this movie, I would have liked to see the Bobs take a pass at it because it's Zemeckis. But imagine if it was the guys who wrote Back to the Future taking a pass at this movie. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of that could have a lot of those jokes would have been. I mean, some. Of, I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong, but I think they really could have done a lot more with it. You know what I mean? So it was Absolutely. like, it, you know. Um, as far as that goes, as far as it, a lot of it feels kind of cliche, it's kind of a miracle. The stu- it, all the stuff Tom Hanks does feel it kind of rings true. He somehow brings uh, an honesty to it, and the same with Gary Sinise. The scenes with him and Gary Sinise in uh, New York on New Year's Eve, that felt more real than a lot of the stuff in the movie. That felt very real. That uh, It almost feels like it's from a different movie. Right. And, but Something a little more gritty. There, it just, yeah, it almost feels more real. But um, I don't know. So I just had mixed reactions. I think uh, I was, I liked it when it came out. I think I'm a little more lukewarm on it now. Um, but there are moments that are pretty well done. And then you go, okay, Robert Zemeckis is no slouch, but he must have had an idea of how he wanted this to play out. And um, I know that he did do some sort of interview on the soundtrack, and I'll have to dig that up because there was something he had in mind. Uh, picking those songs, but uh, you know something like American Graffiti, the music works a hundred percent. The way it's uh, synchronized to the action, it works a hundred percent. And with this one, it just felt a little half-hearted. Right. Sometimes it just it felt like too easy. So All right. uh, anyway, so yeah, that's it for me. Let's cut to let's cut to Brent. Brent, you had never seen this. Uh, Mikey bags, Mikey bags, and I. Uh, said, Mikey sent a text and said, "Hey, I'm going to be able to do the show." Uh, and then he said, I can't wait to see Brent's reaction to, uh, to, uh, to this. And I, what did I say, Mike? I said, he's going to hate it. That's what I said. I said, he's going to hate it. Uh, and then my, my wife and I watched it last night while we were, we were doing some, we were doing some board gaming and we had it on and my wife hadn't seen it in a long time. And she, you know, she liked it, watched it again. She liked it. And then, uh. And then I said, "Yeah, Brent's gonna hate this." And then she goes, "Oh, I don't know." She goes, "Well, new." She goes, "New Brent might not hate it." Brent, did you love the movie? Did you hate the movie? Give me. Give, oh, I, lo- I loved it. I loved the movie. <laughs> ten plus out of ten. Brent, let me let me ask you this: Can you sum up this movie in two words? If I if yeah, push come, Jenny. What was that? Fuck Jenny. What was wrong with I Jenny? Don't mean in the good way, neither. What what mm. what was wrong with Jenny? Out here in the streets, and he should have left her in the streets because she fought the streets, Mario. All right, but you, but, <laughs> but you liked the movie otherwise. Aside from it, Jen- it was, it was, it was, it was fine. I didn't hate it. I was telling them before when you were um, gone for a minute on the home video hustle. I, I give this classification to movies sometimes. It's a one and done movie, and that means I've seen it once and I'm done with it now. I don't ever have to look at it again. There you go. I, it's, it's checked off the list. There are a lot of pop culture like things that I understand more now. There's a lot of gifts that I understand now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that that right there, him waving is exactly yeah, the waving mm-hmm. on the boat. Mm-hmm. Now, did you cool. ever did you ever understand the run for us? Not not only did I understand that I, I think I know I've said it before but there's a booty based song called Run Forest Run where that's the hook of them saying Run Forest I think I sent it to y'all I think maybe at one point but oh see Jake no but I it makes me, I appreciate that song even more now because that song that was better than this it? movie it was yeah mm-hmm. I like that song better than the movie controversial I don't care but um 
they could all that shit with him running, like not that part of running, but the later running when he got the beard and everything out there running around with three years or whatever. All that shit you could have left it on the editing room. Right. Get the, the fuck out of here. That's what, need it. that's what we said before. We we had a little technical difficulty, and we lost about five minutes of recording, but Brent brought that up. And John agreed. Like, that's the part of the movie where it starts to drag. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie could have nothing. Nothing at all. None. No plot significance whatsoever. 30 minutes, get it the fuck out of here. And you had said, and Brent, you, one thing I wanted to reiterate that you said if it had been like an hour and 45 minutes as opposed to two hours and 20 minutes, you probably would have rated it higher than you're going to give us the rating you're going to give yeah, us. Yeah, because around like the last half hour, I was viciously checking the timer, like every minute, like how much longer? How, man, 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 what, do you, what is there left to do here? <laughs> well, they even, yeah, they even could have cut all of the, that, like that 15, 20 minutes of him doing that run and then spent it uh, on more time getting to know Jenny. There what, you go. The thing was... It would have mattered more that she was dying. The reason you didn't need that run is because he really, he reiterates when he says, you know... When I saw the, you know, that looked like there were two skies when I was running next to this lake, you show the lake. It's like we've already seen him run by the lake. So just show it at the end. Just show yeah. that scene at the end and it, it's more significant. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it looks it like. It's been like a short little montage, like right. a three minute montage of him running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that. And then you even could have slid in those little jokes about, you know, him doing the smiley face thing and him those jokes suck you don't need them I know but you could have like slipped it in in like three minutes instead of expanding it to 20 no they don't need me to pack ass I know you don't but I'm like who packs ass (laughs) you know what's funny uh, Brent is that that's the kind of joke that John and I talk about like we hate that kind of joke in a movie where oh he invented shit happens it's like it's like if you have a movie about like um um what about Romeo and Michelle when they invented post-its? Never saw it. Yeah, but that's different. This was like a cheap... I, Mario, I think we talked about this when it was a new movie. We're like, God, was that lame or what? He invents the happy face? Yeah. Right. They already started as a precedent as him we're like, we're teaching like, Elvis how to dance, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. And, they you know, that's a little dodgy on its... But I think Mario and I, we probably made that joke when it came out. Like, right. Really? That's about what. That's something you need to put on the cutting room floor. Right. Somebody thought that was funny that he invents well, the. Uh, it's like in a movie that in every biopic, there's always a scene. It's like, uh, oh, here's young Freddie Mercury, and uh, you know, it's like something weird, like something that's on the nose that's going to happen later in life, right? Like, uh, you know, yeah. oh, here's a, you know, or like, uh, oh, it's young Jimi Hendrix walking by. By a by a window of, a, of an electronic shop, and there's a there's a guitar yeah. in the window, and it's the only thing you can afford. Lame. And it's like, oh, Lame. and we're gonna come full circle because later on, oh, get it, foreshadowing. Yeah. Hey, wh- what was the Jackie Chan movie where the little kid puts on the Charlie Chaplin mustache? And uh, I I raved about that for weeks. God uh, damn it, that's supposed to be Charlie Chaplin, some kid with a a smudge under his nose. You know? And I loved it because of, uh, because Charlie Chaplin will always, he will always yeah. be inferior it's to Buster smudge, Keaton. So I loved it. It was a Shanghai nights and I was okay with it. Yeah. I was okay yeah. with it because you, I was more upset and over here. I'm going, that's it. You finally put Donnie Yen and Jackie Chan together and that's it. Like that's the only yeah. fight scene. You're- <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, John's like, "God dang it, this Charlie Chaplin joke was terrible." Meanwhile, child Charlie Chaplin to see there. Yeah, yeah, that's but John, that's- no, because I think that that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin to that. 
So we both had our heart in the right place. You're you're mad that they didn't make better uh, use of your guys, uh, and I'm like, how can they just fucking say this kid's Charlie Chaplin because he's got a but smudge under it? I nose. don't find that offensive because Charlie ha Charlie Chaplin is now kind of an icon, so I don't think it's like offensive. It's, like, it's a joke that everybody understands, but it's not a good joke. Just like it's the shit easy. happens yeah. joke. Yes, it's too yeah. easy. Write better movies, Hollywood. World's first stuntman, man, or famous stuntman. What's your lead? Oh, you know yeah. what it is? Uh, it, it bugs me when they uh, when they're assuming that the audience is is dumb. I don't like. Uh, that's why something like Independence Day. It feels like the entire movie oh, is yeah. it's like dumbed down. It's like gearing to an audience that's about you know fifty uh, IQ points lower, and you just go, ah, you don't need to do this, you know. <laughs> It just bugs me. Ironically, but, uh, ironically, yeah. the, the same director is is, uh, is responsible for one of my least favorite on the nose moments in all of cinema, mm. which is this is your cousin Marvin, Marvin oh, yeah. Barry. Oh, yeah. right. You know that new sound you're looking for? It's like wow, we're really, really well. Listen to this. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's it's a rotten way to stage the joke. Right, like Mario was like immediately like nobody talks that way to their cousin. It's me, <laughs> your cousin, Marvin yeah. Barry. Nobody talks like that. You know? see, it's it, like it was so loud though that he had to make sure he knew he. Was <laughs> he yeah, possibly. But then the other thing for the Chuck Berry fanatics are like, really, you're going to take that away from Chuck Berry and say this yeah. kid came up with the sound, right. And Chuck Berry got it from him, right? <laughs> right. People like Gene Richards are like, that's bullshit. <laughs> We Mike Bagford crazy. loves that joke, by the way. For exactly. the record, some white kid came up with the whole Chuck Berry sound. Yeah, for the and he heard it from. For the, the record, Mike Bagford told me privately that that is his favorite joke in all of cinema. So I just want to. Yeah. I told him privately. <laughs> 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 yeah. I know. This, I can't imagine anyone saying that to you. I can't imagine anybody on the planet saying, "You know, that's my favorite joke in Back to the Future." This is this <laughs> is my. You know, Freddie Mercury actually stole the beat from his song "Under Pressure." He stole it from Vanilla Ice Cube. Oh, I see. Him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Justine, yeah. what's your least favorite joke yeah. in a movie? Least favorite? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're on a we're on a tear here. <laughs> we're annoyed. We're on a we're on a, we're on a rip here. <laughs> Pick a, pick a James Bond movie. It's a bunch of them. <laughs> um, I thought Christmas yeah, any, only comes any, once any, a year. Pussy galore. I must be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas only comes once a year. Uh, <laughs> I must be dreaming. Uh, Titillating. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Just whatever. <laughs> They're on their way to a funeral. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, my friend is death tired. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No. Ice to meet you. That's gonna be the best one of all time. Yeah. Ice to meet you. Yeah. Another one where you're just like really. I think it's John. I think it's. Old. I think it's John that said that there's a point where you don't know if the line is Rainier Wolfcastle or Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's how good the yeah, jokes are. That's right. Yeah. The goggles they do nothing, and you're like, was that really Arnold or was that that was the Simpsons, right? <laughs> Up and at them. There's a point where you're like, did he say up and at them, or is that Rainier Wolf Castle? Mm -hmm. <laughs> up and at them. You suck, McBain. McBain. Uh, <laughs> 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 One of my all-time favorite joke. That's the joke. <laughs> you suck, McBain. <laughs> <laughs> 
god. I'll tell them too, Mario, the uh the scene where they had the, the Black Panther meeting. I saw a video like a year or so ago where they had an actual woman that was in the Black Panthers talk about that scene. And she was like, fuck that scene, because she was like, we did not act like that back then. <laughs> yeah, see, it's all like I said, it's a filter. It's filters of it's people who are you're writing through a people you're writing through kind of a filter of people who lived through that time from afar, not mm-hmm. not having lived it. You know, it's like their idea of, you know, well, right. this this it's, is this this is this is what it must have been like. You know, this is what it must have been like. Culture version. It's the TV version. It's uh, it's like a Xerox of a Xerox. You don't the, get the real the one. The one thing that makes me laugh, and I think is a really well-written line, and in the way they use Forrest's, you know, condition to kind of sell the joke, is when they're trying to integrate the school, and the one guy's just being a oh, racist yeah. dick, and he's like, they want to come to school with us. And then Forrest comes like, they do? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that. That is a really great way to sell that joke. Like that's perfect. He's like, yeah. they do. Why? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of like questionable. You know, you're just like, uh, you know. But yeah, I, that that. But it is funny to hear him say, "I'm sorry, I broke up your Black Panther party because yeah. party is in there." <laughs> what was that, Justine? Huh? When he's talking about how he got shot, and he's like, "I would like to see that." <laughs> yeah, no. you know, damn son. But you know what? You yeah. you had told me the story. LBJ probably would have liked that. LBJ probably would have been like because liked. he showed his he scar. Showed That's the joke. Is because he was on national television. He showed his appendix scar. I remember my dad at the time. I was like five. He's going, God, that's the president, and there he is showing, <laughs> ripping up his shirt and showing his scar to the press. And it's like, God, what? And that was LBJ. He was kind of like, you know, we need, <laughs> we need, crude we need lose, more of that know? today. We need more of that. We need. So more. I'm sure somebody said, Hey, here's something good. He done. He dig this. Let's have him show his the scar in his ass. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he well, it's because he shoved that uncomfortable hunk of metal in the only place he knew they'd never find it. His ass. His ass. That's right. That's right. His ass. His ass. I will say my favorite, the one I repeat all the time is when they're in the hospital and he goes, Lieutenant Dan, ice cream, and he puts it straight in the bedpan. He puts it straight in the bedpan. Doesn't even look at him. That's, I think, the the funniest scene in the whole movie. Uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, let me ask you, what, did you, did everyone have a favorite scene? What is your favorite sequence in the movie? Justine? When Lieutenant Dan sticks up for um, for Forrest Gump. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, don't call Great him an idiot. Scene. He's like, "Your friend's stupid" or something, or whatever. Well, yeah, don't call him stupid. Yeah, he's like, "Don't ever call him stupid." Right. That is a great scene. Yeah. That one made me happy. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. a great. Like that relationship was great. I would if they would have just dumped the Jenny, <laughs> like Brent said. <laughs> that was just a right there. I was like, oh my god. Well, just because every time Jenny shows up, you know, we've all had people in, in our lives like that. You know how uh, this is going to end. They're just going to depress you. Mm-hmm. So why are we going through this? Just get to the end already. C- cut to the chase. Just and a let- black hole. Mm-hmm. Of, of <laughs> Just a black hole of good feelings. Right. Mm. <laughs> M- Mikey Bags, what's your, uh, yeah. Yeah. what's your favorite scene in this one? Uh, probably favorite scene. Uh, it'd probably be the Vietnam sequence of the film. The whole... The, the whole thing from the beginning to the end yeah pro- probably yeah I do love the drill sergeant going what is your purpose in life <laughs> he says 
to do whatever you tell me. <laughs> it's just like, you must be a goddamn genius. <laughs> That's the best answer anyone's ever given me. And um, even says that he says it's pretty easy. All you can do is do what, you, what they tell you to. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a guy like that probably would fit in. You just do exactly what they tell you. Right. To. <laughs> right. Until they, uh, so they start shooting. He was fine. Even then, he he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, yeah, I do like the that is when he runs with them. Every one of those guys, he runs every one of them out of the out of the danger zone. You know. Right. Right. I do like the scene where they use the doors uh, soul kitchen when they're. Uh, when he's like, when he's just telling him about the rain, and he's just talking about like life and being like what it was like and all that stuff. And I do like, I do the kind rain of, that comes sideways, right? <laughs> I do like the joke where he talks about all these people from, uh, you know, Phoenix. Dallas was from Phoenix, and Cleveland oh, okay. was from, uh, you know, all these from Detroit, deep, from, from yeah. Detroit. Yeah, yeah, that does make me laugh. I like and that. Tex. I don't know where Tex was from. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't recollect. <laughs> Uh, what about you? What about you, Jake? Did you have a fav- do you have a favorite sequence? Favorite scene? Um, I love the I love the sequence with the shrimp boat with Lieutenant Dan. Okay, that was great when he, <laughs> when he just dives off the boat and just starts swimming. Right. Oh, <laughs> Mama's sick. All right, Brett. What did you? What was your favorite? What sequence stood out for you? I have no fucking idea, bro. I'm trying to. I've been this whole time trying to think of something. Yeah, I know what scene it was for you. What was it? The scene where Jenny gets smacked? No, where you hear uh no. <laughs> where you hear the pin- yeah. principal squealing in the beginning. Where you hear You know, that's probably honestly that made me laugh more than anything. <laughs> that was, that's a good one. That's so funny. Probably would be actually. <laughs> you don't talk much, do you? Listen, I've listened to a lot really? of home video hustle. I know where <laughs> sex jokes, that's his favorite part, you're right. John, what do you got? What's your favorite uh, sequence? I think I'm with uh, with Michael. That all the stuff in Vietnam is the stuff that that kind of rings the truest, and um, yeah. uh, the stuff, all that stuff where he's starting to kind of connect with uh, Lieutenant Dan and all that. I think that that whole thing kind of plays out the best. And uh, so later in the movie, it makes more sense when they start yeah. getting tight, and he's on the boat with him. He says, "I told you, if you ever were a captain, I'd be your first mate." Um, so yeah, I, I guess the Vietnam stuff is probably the best stuff for me. Okay. In those scenes, though, the part where he's talking about the it stopped raining, and then all of a sudden, like it's so peaceful, he's looking up, and all of a sudden, it just starts hitting. Yeah, those straight yeah. four. That's probably the craziest. That is a really well done uh, sequence. That, yeah, that whole it came thing. out of nowhere, but it gets you right. Like, you know, it's odd because we've been complaining about scenes that were kind of like not pulled off, looked a little cheap or TV movie, but the stuff in Vietnam felt pretty real. The way they staged it, the way they did it, it that did not feel like secondhand or, or done no. done shitty. You know, it felt felt dangerous when he's dragging them one by one into the jungle to safety. That felt pretty real. The look on his face, they got that one close up. The look on his face when he hears the planes coming in to drop the napalm, and he knows That's he's got the gotta... last one. That's the last one where he has Bubba. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that whole. I, I mean, Bubba's such a great. Uh, character two, and uh, he's gone way too soon. I wish they would have. I mean, I guess it, it's the impetus for the rest of the movie, you know. But it's, yeah. it's also like I would have, I would have liked to spend the rest of the movie with just to see them on a shrimp boat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, 
And but, God, you think about that, that he said, nope, we're going to do it half and half. I'm going to send half to the family. And, right. you know, that that was really that's a feel good. Those are feel good scenes. Yeah, because he does say know, he tells him, he says, he says, a promise is a promise, Lieutenant Dan. Like, I mm-hmm. promised him I would do this. Yeah. And uh, promise yeah. is a promise, you know. And Dude, so he, he, he I hate, I hate that thing. saying. I know, <laughs> but I think what's what's funny is that. Go ahead, John. The, uh, the stupid, the stupid does a stupid. Yeah, you know, it's it is what it is. But I think what's interesting is Lieutenant Dan does grudgingly uh, get some respect for him. At first, he just thinks this guy, you know, what's he thinking? And then toward the end, he realizes this guy's got a real strength of character. Right. You know that uh, he keeps his promises. He life is important to him. He saved my life. And, you know, half the movie, he's just so resentful. That's the one that almost makes me cry when he said, I had a destiny. I was supposed to die out there with my men. You cheated me of that. What am I going to do now? That just about made me cry. Right. But finally, at the end, when you see him with his fiance and he's got the uh, the metal legs and you go, you know, that payoff was earned. That was not cheap. It took the whole movie for him to get to that point. You know? I do like the scene on the boat where he's like, all right, you're, we're going to have it out. You and me, God, like, we're going to do this. Like, you want to do it? Let's do it. <laughs> he's just like, because right. he's not, you know, he's that's during the storm, isn't it? He's at the, yeah, yeah he's yeah, at the yeah. absolute bottom of where he can be. You know, he's lost everything. He doesn't have his legs. And, and, yeah. And he's yeah, just, he's yeah. just, uh, he's just like, all right, let's, let's hash it out. Finally. Like, let's do it. And, uh, you know, and, and that's the one time you, you, Forrest shows any emotion. He says, I was really scared. But Lieutenant Dan yeah. was just, you know, I, I do like that yeah. scene because it's just someone who's at the end of his rope and is just like, all right, I, what have I got left to lose? If, you're, if this is the way I die, this is the way I die. Let's do it. And uh, so I was like, are, you know, the emotion you feel in those scenes is earned. And that's what they don't do with Jenny. It's too, it's too surface. And the stuff with Lieutenant Dan, they put the time in. So when you have some emotions with those characters, it feels like they earned it, you know? Right, right. They're not just telling you how to feel. They are showing you what the situation is. Right. All right, let's rank Forrest Gump. First of all, what do you uh, rank the soundtrack, uh, Michael Bags? Look at that. Look, at, You like that angle? Um, I, I need a mannequin. <laughs> Excuse me. I think I originally rated it 9 out of 10 like last week, but... Uh, thinking about it's probably more like an eight out of ten. Like, that's not bad. Song choices in there, but yeah, there's some stuff that's so played out. It's like okay, I right? Well, this is part of the reason it's played out. This movie too, like Brent asked. Yeah, this had a lot to do with kind of like American Graffiti, like 20 years before. This was the same thing. So you have a lot of, and only few. There's only a few directors who know how to use music. Tarantino's one of them. Uh, Scorsese's Scorsese. another one. Um, yep. Brent's Brent is sort of agreeing. Do you have, do you disagree, Brent, or do you think? Oh, no, I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that just throw songs in there. You're like, why is this song in there? Like, I don't understand right. why this song is. You know, um, David Lynch be like another director that uses music. Oh my God! Well, oh, yeah. Blue Velvet, dude. Look at Blue yeah. Velvet. <laughs> Almighty. You can't think of that song without thinking of uh, our friend Dennis Hopper, though our friend Frank, right? <laughs> Sucking on right, right. You you, right. you you hear that? She wore blue velvet, <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. You'll never hear it the same again. Yeah, nope. You're just picturing all this stuff in that movie that just puts your hair on end. Just so. like you'll never hear um, Stuck in the Middle with You again and just be happy about exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> for all time. Right. Ruined it. You ruined it. All right. Let's rank it. Justine, what do you rank our friend Forrest Gump? Ten. Ten. Woo. Right out the wow. gate. A ten. Oh. Mikey Bags. Uh, sorry, Brent. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for Brent. Jake. You mean Mike? Mike. What did I say? I, I said nothing, Mario. What? Yeah. I said Mike, I and then I said Jake that. the second time. Jake? Yeah. Nine. Nine out of 10. John Talk Sandy. <laughs> I give it an eight. Oh. Eight out of 10. I'm going to give it an eight. Eight out of 10. Patrick phoned in a 10. Brent, that leaves you. I will let Justine feel y'all pain. I'm going to give it a six. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. A one and done her. What were you going to say, Justine? First time now, I wouldn't have liked it. So I'm on this Brent, but I know this movie, and I've seen it when I was little. So Yeah. For a lot of people, yeah, this is a 10. This Sentimental value. This for me is is a I'll watch it every once in a while. It's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a pleasant. I like the performances. I have problems with it. It's not a perfect movie, uh, but it's a comfortable movie. You can watch it and be like, "Oh, Forrest Gump is on. It's fine." You know, it's like, "Oh, great! I'll be happy watching this." You know, for the next, you know, I'll be entertained enough for the next until the end when he starts running, and then I'll switch it. Watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would have rated it better had I not already watched it oh because now i was i was being a little bit more i was being more critical of it that's what, what happens what was gonna happen. yeah that's what so happens pay attention more to the little sure i think next week yeah. we have ed wood coming up hey i got that one mm. justine's out look at that justine just turned her camera off Ed Wood, she's like nope ed wood out now i want to know uh who has seen ed wood before i don't even know what that is i have it upstairs though Justine, have you seen Ed Wood? No, what is it, Ed Wood? Ed Wood was the director. He's considered the worst director in movie history. And wait, that movie of the guy with the black hair, like the long hair, is like the disaster artist. No, he is considered. No, that's Tommy Wiseau. Not that worst movie of all time. (laughs) No, he was basically the the 50s version of that guy, but he was also a transvestite in real life. And uh, this, Johnny, and this is Johnny our friend uh, Johnny Depp, and being directed by Tim Burton. And my wife hated this movie when I showed it to her. She Whoa. hated it. When did you show it to her? About a year ago. It was during the pandemic is we watched Sarah it. Sarah Jessica Parker in it. Sarah Jessica Parker's yeah. in it. Great cast. Uh, Martin Martin Landau. Martin Landau up for a uh, he won the Oscar as Bella. He won playing, the Oscar playing Bella Lugosi. Bella. Yeah, hang on to your hat, Brent. Yeah. You got Martin Landau playing Bella Lugosi. Have you ever? Oh yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> they don't give two fucks for Bella. <laughs> Pull the string. <laughs> so, right. Brent, you've seen this movie, right? Yeah, oh, I, I, I got it. Mikey, have you seen okay. this one? I have not seen it. Oh my god, Mikey Bags. We got. You know, I'm so hot and cold on Tim Burton, but when I love a Tim Burton movie. I love a Tim Burton movie. And when I hate it, I hate it. 
So he is a very Mario when he doesn't go full Tim Burton. Mario, I, I will tell you right now, this is my favorite Tim Burton movie. It's a great one. It's a good one. Brent's thinking about it. Yes, it's between, for me, be between that and Batman, 89. Yeah. I, I, hey, I'm going to throw Mars Attacks up in his, in his good pile. I mm. like Mars Attacks. Uh, so, God bless. God bless you. What you, level of Johnny Depp? Hmm? On a scale of, of one oh, to what, uh, this Harley is, or to Willy Wonka. I'm going to tell you this. This is probably one of his best performances for Johnny. This is probably yeah. one of my favorite Johnny Depp performances. Yeah. But how Johnny Depp is. Because he's he's not well this he's is way before uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. This is way before Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, he's just Ed Wood was a relentlessly positive person who just was like was not going to be uh, deterred by anything, and and that's the way uh, Johnny Depp plays him. And so it's very, you know, it's no Edward Scissorhands, but no, no, it's probably my favorite Johnny Depp performance. Boy, talk about! Could you imagine anybody else playing this this character? No, <laughs> a real guy. <laughs> they they want Charlton like Heston to um, play Johnny a Mexican. Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio. Huh? Leo has like a condition. What's eating Gilbert? Grape? Oh, what's eating Gilbert yeah. Grape? Oh, oh yeah. I like Johnny Depp in that one. Yeah, He's, I have never seen that movie. It's a good one. Me neither. He's good in this one. Brother, it's like how I would feel, but then his brother's also like um, has mental issues, so it's kind of a whole other extreme. But ah. he has mental the issues. One where he's fighting the devil. It ain't the one where he's fighting demons or some shit. I swear I remember seeing one. With Johnny Depp. Oh, is it like twelve? Is that Constantine? Constantine? No, no, no. No, it's like the twelfth, twelfth gate or ninth gate or twelfth. Yeah, the ninth gate or something like that. Yeah. Something like okay, that. I, was like, I knew that was him. Yeah. Oh, is that where he's like a book dealer and he's got some ancient evil inside a book or something? Yeah. Some. Yeah. Necronomicon esque Mortis, <laughs> the <laughs> Book it of the Dead. Like, it sounds like the Evil Dead. Doesn't the, it? <laughs> yeah, the Book of the Dead. Uh, yeah, but that's what it is. It's taking out the last two copies of a demon text gets drawn into a conspiracy with supernatural overtones. Mm, beautiful. Does it's that Roman show who Polanski the director movie. is on that? The Roman Polanski. Okay. Wow. All right, next the week. The, the guy who knows the devil. Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Ed Wood, man. Next week, we'll be back with Ed Wood. Mikey yeah, Bags, Brent, thanks for being here. You guys are fantastic. The, well, I thank you, sir. We're going to call you the mid, the Ohio Connection. The Ohio Players. Hey. 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 I want, why, don't you guys just, why don't you guys move halfway? And then you guys move halfway to each other, and then you 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 rent a house together, and then we just like da 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 da. Can two Ohioans share a room without driving each other crazy? So who gets to be Walter Matthau? I don't know. Whoever wants to be, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Brent is really the Felix Unger because I've seen how he organizes his movies. I feel like he's very Felix Unger, but I also feel like Michael Bagford with his music collection is probably pretty organized too. So maybe it's two Felix Ungers. Two Felixes. Yeah. Ace, you said no. Oh. Mike, you're not super organized with your music? You don't have them all alphabetized by. No, I'm not, rascally, really. Really? Oh. All right. Yeah, you, I just you, have too much stuff. Then you get to be the, you get to be the Walter Mathau, man. Stack of vinyl in the corner. 
So it's Felix and Felix. It's kind of all over the place, but it's, I mean, my shit organized. I know where everything at. Yeah, yeah, man. You know what, Mike? Mike, I'm, I'm the same way. I got piles of stuff. I know where it all is, but it's not, at this point in my life, it's not alphabetized or chronological or anything. It's just all over the place. You know? So he's going to come up and he's going to say, he's going to say, what is it, Brent? Or no, Brent's going to say, what is it, Michael? Is it the cooking, the cleaning, the crying? And Brett's going to say, it's the cooking, the cleaning, the crying. It's the Mystery Science Theater at 3 in the morning. Hey. Crow. I, I wouldn't mind. Crow. <laughs> I'd be right there, too. Right. And Brent wouldn't, turn, Brent wouldn't turn down an evening with the cuckoo pigeon system. Do you guys think, <laughs> let me ask you this. Do you guys think someone in Hollywood is interested in the, in the, in the cast of a podcast living together? Because we can all share a house. Well, so maybe, a they'll, maybe they'll get us like the real one of the real life houses and we can all just bunk up there together. You wouldn't want to do no, that, Justine? Justine's shaking, Justine shaking her head. You wouldn't be at each other's throats. Justine, you know what? You wouldn't want to do that? No. Because, you know, Patrick, you and Patrick would have, we would be across a Jack and Jill bathroom like the Brady Brunch because we'd be there. You and, <laughs> you and, you and Patrick would be up in one corner and then me and Nicole would be in the other and we'd share a bathroom and I would leave it. Nice and stinky for you all I the think time. Justine is thinking once a week is enough with you motherfuckers. Why wouldn't you want to live with it? Who who among us do you not want to live with? No. I, whatever's on the TV is probably something I don't want to watch. There you go. You're on the money. You're on the money. She walks no, in. Uh, listen, James you, Bond again? Listen, oh, no. What are you again? talking about? Looney Tunes again? Then once a week, we do the digital movie club. We all sit in the room together. <laughs> What did you say? Like Mr. Science Theater. More, more to the point, porn again. <laughs> <laughs> We're watching Soros Rump great. again. Um, <laughs> yeah, they probably made one too. Yeah, you know? Batman and Throbbin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh so, boy. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> what you? Flash Horton. Just don't go in Patrick's room, and you're Flash fine. Gordon. Hey. So, yeah, yeah. I, what I'm just, just seeing, I'm trying to get us a house here. A big house in the hills with a pool. What, what, you have liked. Though I've got a house with all my own stuff. You have liked most of the movies on the Digital Movie Club. What's the problem? What is the problem? You, you have watched, and the thing is, we're only in the house until we watch all the movies. We have to, like, knock them all out. <laughs> <laughs> all day you have all the fast and the furious i'm not watching those listen you you're not you're ar you're arguing a way listen first of all we would have to it's not once a week we'd watch them every day this is our and job we're getting paid so we get we crank these out we watch like three or four movies a day which brent and i do anyway anyway yeah yeah, yeah. i feel like we'll buy you movies and this digital thing will never end yeah, it's, it's, it's never going to end anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if we use Brent's collection, it would never end. It's over. Oh, if I bust out DVDs, this is this is a twenty-year yeah. project easily. If I bring DVDs into the uh, mix, yeah, and you can imagine I'd be pushing for. Can we go all the way back to nineteen twenty-nine and start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. We're yes. Do a no. Reboot and hit movies we didn't get earlier. Like right. We do right. Movies. Right. Right. So we'll do all, we'll do all talkies. Because you know what we're going to do is when we get to the end, whatever that end point is, we're going to go back week by week backwards and we're going to rewatch and see if the movies hold up. That's I what think we're going to do. lose some of us. That's we we're we're going to go backwards. Five movies again, all the Zardoz again. Mm -hmm. 
John, that means we get to watch Logan's Run again and Zardoz. Right, right. You know what it does mean? It means that we get to watch Casablanca again, and maybe Justine. Oh, maybe give it. I gotta go. Seven. I got. I gotta get. I gotta pick up my car. At a so principle, at a principle, she would never change her school. Okay. So for Brent, right. for Justine, for for Handsome Dan, Handsome, for Michael Bagford, for John Sandy, we will say this transmission ends now. Uh, Unity. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>